Let's do it. Alright. Hello and welcome to this... What yeah, am I doing? You want, you want another run at that one? Yeah, let's, uh, let's reset and I'll, uh, I'll take another crack at it. Hmm. Okay. Hello right. and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe. Uh, the show that offers you something else to do while you're self-quarantining. Just in case, I am Max. And I am JR. Just in uh, case, uh, all the Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Spotify, and Pandora uh, servers are melted in a warehouse fire in Helsinki. Why are they all in Finland? I don't know. <laughs> That's one of many questions posed by that scenario. Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's good. Guess who's got two thumbs and a sinus infection that is totally not messing with his anxiety? Mm. That's me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fun. I, yeah, I have, uh, I've been, there's been a whole lot of that because it's just like, uh, well, you live with, you, a, know, you live with a six year old. Well, there's that, first of all, but also, like, um, it's, it's stressful because, like, you, you're, you're sitting there and, like, you'll be reading, uh, you'll be reading about some of this stuff and then your throat starts to kind of close up on you and you're like, that's just a panic attack COVID, <laughs> like... I I actually have been amazed that I have not had a panic attack yet. Yeah. Um I went the whole week without it. Uh Today's the day. Let's do this. Cool. All right. Yeah, it really what really sucks is so last Tuesday was my birthday. We had to cancel we were going to go out for dinner on Saturday night with the family. We had to cancel that. I was planning on something April 4th for reasons. Uh, and we're going to have to cancel that. So it's just like, you know, other other than I got I got a bunch of money from like family and stuff that I put toward Lego sets and shit. And uh I also, I bought Outer Worlds, mm -hmm. um, which is weird because, like, it's basically Fallout in space. Right. But I like it, and I, d I haven't really gotten into Fallout. Like, I tried. Oh, I really? tried to get into Fallout, and it just, I wasn't feeling uh, it. I loved the hell out of 3. Um, I was, and apparently I am wrong. Like, about that, like, inside the Fallout community, because I didn't really enjoy... Okay, well, with the caveat that... I didn't really enjoy New Vegas, with the caveat that it kept fucking crashing on me when it first came out, on the Xbox, or on the 360. I, I got 
you know, you spend nine or so hours just getting into the city and then you yeah. all you get to the city and then they tell you you need a thousand caps or whatever it is or two thousand caps yeah. to get in. I got to the city, then I ground for those two thousand caps for another four or five hours, got in, game crashed, save gone. Well, and, and I went like New Vegas was Obsidian as well, wasn't and it? And it was. And I went, okay, fuck this game, and I put it down and didn't pick it up like for seven years. Um, and apparently, they fixed all the bad things, and it eventually became the best game I'm told in the series. And I played it again after I played four and enjoyed it. I liked four too. Anyway, Outer Worlds, yes, is very much Fallout <clears throat> with a different message that they're a little inconsistent on, and also, oh, it's over. Like, that's yeah. that was my feeling. Like, I got to, I was cruising, trucking along, you know, eight or so-ish hours in, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, we're, we're bringing this thing in for a landing fast. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I also played Spider-Man. I, I think I talked about that last time. Yeah. I I will say in Outer Worlds, I decided that I... So the character I created, uh, I made him really smart and really charming. And I made him a cashier. <laughs> um, uh... But yeah, uh, I I feel like the thing is I feel like there's no it offers you choices, but like it makes one of the choices really stupid. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like at star at the beginning of Skyrim when you are when you are about to be beheaded. And then the dragon attacks, and you're offered the choice of going with the rebel leader or literally the dudes who were just trying to kill you. <laughs> and it's just like, well, there's really only one choice there. And that's kind of how the Outer Worlds is. It's like, you you can side with the corporations, but like, why would you? Yeah. They are so fucked up. Like, that's... What, what, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely... I kind of want to do a playthrough where I side with the corporations just to see what the fuck is going on. Because I never did, right? Because I have a soul. Well, because, uh, because you're sane. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. care how uber-capitalist you are. Like, even, even if you're just like, the free market is all, like... You look at the corporations in that game and it's just like, oh, this is not good. These these people, no, fuck these guys. Like, yeah. Why would you? Anyway, sorry, um, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, never, I never sided with them. And I wouldn't mind to see what, <laughs> what it does, what the game ends up looking like. I, but I, agree, I do agree that as far as like, are you a human being with, with possibly containing a soul? Uh, then... You're never going... Then the only question that is actually, like, interesting is the first area. And then after that... Yeah. After that, it's like, well, not that. 
they want me to be a fucking grave robber. I'll pass. Yeah. Like, by yeah, the time, yeah. By the time you get to the planet with all the the pink and the purple, or pink and purple flora, and the dangerous, far more dangerous animals than humans, um, I, it was pretty easy to make decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. I also want to. I do one. I want to do one character where I'm kind of dumb and I just do the first thing that anybody asks of me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh yeah i don't know i i'm kind of there are some things i wish i'd done a little differently so i'm early enough in that i might start over sure and kind of recalibrate some stuff in like character creation and stuff like that raise my perception shit like oh god the perception is that was the one that well, one of the things that's like you could have you could have salted a little more fallout on this, guys, because yeah. you can't see you have no idea what's around you until it's killing you for yeah. most of the game. Well, and the the perception checks in the uh, in the conversations, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no way to raise that. You you have to have built that into your character, or you're just boned. Yeah. So whatever. <sighs> Uh, anyway, so, news, the only, like, I don't know, do you even want to talk about it? Which thing? The Kibblesmith thing. Uh, I don't really care either way. Uh, top line it, but I don't want to talk about it because I don't care. <laughs> People of all stripes are angry about the, uh, the New Warriors series that's coming, um, because there were there were characters so uh a lot of a lot of the frustration toward this involves stuff like there's a uh there's a character who's like an internet-y character and uh i think his name is screen screen time okay and uh he was exposed to his grandfather's internet gas and people are just like, internet gas, that's pretty dumb. And it's just like, it's comics. Like, yeah, guys. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that there's not, like, come on. Like, dude was bitten by a radioactive spider and got spider powers instead of cancer. Like, that, there's a lot of suspense. You can't, you can't single out that one thing is just like, that's the bridge too far. Like, how have you been, if you're new to comics and you see that and you're just like, internet gas? No. Okay, fine. Fair, but fair. Like, if you've been reading comics, especially like DC and Marvel for any length of time, and that's, that's the thing. That's, you know, oh, Dude gets left out in the desert to die and exposure to the sun gives him superpowers. No, no, <laughs> no. That's the thing. Okay, whatever. But the thing people are pooping their pampers over is these two characters, Snowflake and Safe Space. And... Oh, I didn't realize they were character names. Yeah, those are the character names. Oh no! Yeah, 
bit on and the and bit on the nose there. Oh well, it is. But you know, it's one of the so you've got you've got the people on the right who are just like uh SJWs, and the people on the left that are just like, really, this is what we're doing now. And honestly, like personally, I've read enough of Daniel Kibble Smith stuff that I'm like. I'm just going to wait and see what happens with it. I'm going to read it, and we'll see how it turns out. Um, By the same token, though, it's not even fucking out yet. Like, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. Um, When does this happen? I finally found an article on Marvel. Oh, I don't I forget when it's coming out. <clears throat> it could be tomorrow, and I, I wouldn't... Like, time is so fucked up right now. It's been... It's been a week since Casey started working from home, and... I don't know. The This entire thing seems to have been taking forever. <laughs> so, I... I genuinely, like, time to me is nothing now. I'm just like, I exist in this moment and nothing else. (laughs) So, so yeah. Um, But in the face of all of this, um, don't be dumb. Wash your hands. uh, Wash your butt. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. That's just always good advice. That's not necessarily specific to covid but wash your ass um stay home <laughs> clean your house you'll be fine uh even if even if you're not in specific danger from this shit like the elderly are people who are immunocompromised and you can't tell them by sight so you don't know who you're spreading it to just fucking don't um but you can still support uh, your local comic shops. Uh, there are a lot of places that are doing uh, special order. Like you can order your books and have them delivered. Or you can uh, tell them what you want. Pull up and they'll bring it to your car. Whatever. Uh, uh, two good sources for that. If you're hearing this in in the semi-recent times since, published, or since posting... Uh, Kelly Suda Comics Twitter is doing a really good job of pointing out both comics that'll do or shops that'll do the things JR described, and also a couple <coughs> a couple of websites that are being set up to I don't have them at hand, but a couple of websites that are being set up to do to like collate not collate organize like you can search and curate curate yeah curate the the responses that she is getting and also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Busick is retweeting people as well. So, uh, and uh, if you do, if you are like me and have a regular job, a regular ass job that you can do from home, and are still going to be making the same amount of money as long as you uh, are healthy, uh, go buy some art from people. Yeah, go. Um, everybody, every artist I follow on Twitter, if I follow Spike Trotman. And she follows everybody who's important. So um, go buy some goddamn art from people. Uh, 
uh, just about everybody I know either has their, or I can think of either has their commissions open or is about to do so. So, um, or if they have a Patreon yeah. or Ko-Fi or whatever, um, uh, yeah, support, support the people, support the freelancers that <coughs> are struggling support, uh, uh, with all the con, yeah. uh, either cancellations or postponements. I know, TCAF, uh, TCAF comic or planet just got re rescheduled to August, um, <clears throat> stuff like that so and honestly we'll see if that even I mean they're talking like 18 months for this thing and so I'll be we'll see if <laughs> August happens but either way um, and the other one other thing I will point out uh, if you are at all interested in making comics Gail Simone just did uh, a five day Twitter course basically on creating comics uh, based on and you know this is this is the fast and dirty version because uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of um, there are a lot of uh, things on how to write comics I know Peter David put out a book and all kinds of stuff but this is specific to like this is about pitching this is about uh, keeping it to a certain length, uh, stuff like that. So um, that is that is, if you check her Twitter feed, it's all been uploaded to a Discord server where you can see the entire thing. And there's a lot of there's a lot of give and take with people, uh, stuff like that. So yeah, uh, but either way, you know, be safe. Don't be dumb. Yep. Anyway, uh, comics. Yeah. Uh, so, Daredevil number 144 has a cover by Ed Hannigan, is written by Jim Shooter, penciled by Lee Elias, <clears throat> excuse me, inked by Dan Green. Colored by George Russo's, lettered by Bruce Patterson, um, and edited by Archie Goodwin. <clears throat> so, we start out and Daredevil's working out in his uh, personal gym, and he's commenting on the fact that he's a little run down. Not sure what, he's not really sure what's going on, but he's just like, I could have taken that a little better. I hope something's not wrong with me. Uh, he goes and showers, at which point he hears a news bulletin about a riot at Rikers. He goes swinging out to investigate. And it turns out that the riot is in toto. Uh, <clears throat> man bull. And uh, as he arrives, these... These henchmen working for the owl are also arriving. Um, Daredevil fights Manbull, but his being a little off results in him being grabbed by Manbull and thrown. I don't know. I don't know why. Like I, I know why from a story con in a story context, but I don't know why. If I was Manbull, 
because he has a hold oh, of yeah. Daredevil. Like he's, he's got, got him up over his head. Yeah. And he's got like one hand on his upper part <coughs> and one hand on his legs. I don't know why he doesn't pull like an ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine and just rip him in half. Like he's got the strength to. Or even just a just... regular ass Bane on Batman and just crack him. Like... Or literally anything. Like snap his neck. Do so... But he, he literally just like throws him. And then later when he sees him again, he's just like, you're alive? And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you threw me against a wall. You've thrown me against a wall before. This time it happened to be a prison wall, but that's, it was, both were brick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, whatever. Uh, anyway, Manbull, we, we know Manbull is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Don't store yeah. your knives in drawers. That's a silly thing to do. Um, well, butter knife. Okay. Regular ass knives. Daredevil. And gets... he's not the sharpest. He may be a butter knife. So. <laughs> Daredevil stands up or sort of rouses himself to uh, Lieutenant Rose in, up in his face, being like, You're bullshit and I hate you. And Daredevil's like, Dude, I, I don't know what's your deal. Bye. And he just leaves. And Lieutenant Rose is like, fuck these uh, vigilantes. I hate them. They're good for nothing. And then the commissioner calls and he's like, I just heard from the district attorney. uh, Your finances are being investigated. Thought you want to know. And he's like, they think I'm on the take. Fuck that. So we're given a lot of reasons for Lieutenant Rose to have a chip on his shoulder. Um, that doesn't really go anywhere this week, if I remember right. Because no, we do a lot of that. Uh, yeah, we see. It. This is like the only time in this week's reading, admittedly it's only two issues, but uh, that we see Lieutenant Rose. Um, so we switch and we check in. Uh, the Owl's men bring Manbull before the Owl. And the Owl's just like, yeah, I need you to be my bodyguard. And Manbull's just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But <laughs> Manbull's then... like, no, thanks. I mean, I appreciate you pulling me out of there, but I don't really want to. And then some goons bust in from what is apparently a rival gang and proceed to try to murder everyone in the room. Uh, Manbull... The, the thing that I... The thing that... I don't get about this. So, Manbull deals with the guys. During which time, Owl, like, lowers a glass screen. Yeah. It's not glass, because that would just be dumb. Presumably bulletproof, yeah. But, and then at the end of it, Manbull's just like, why didn't you get up and do something? At which point, we see the Owl, and he's like... Because I can't, uh, I my I can no longer even walk. And we see that he has braces on his legs. The thing that frustrates me as a reader is that all of the panels up until now with the owl have been very careful about not showing us this. But there's been no, like, blanket over his legs or anything like that up until now. Which means that everybody in the room 
Could was see. able to see this. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, like Manbull would have seen those previously. This is not a big reveal for him. Whatever. But yeah, so uh, we switch to we switch to the storefront, and Matt is working his ass off, like helping all of these people with their various problems. Heather brings him some coffee, at which point Foggy comes stumbling in drunk uh, because we have been selectively remembering that his fiance was kidnapped. When it's, Um, when it is, when it's in front of us, he can only, he's taught it. Matt has been about this the same way as the uh, outer worlds character I was just describing. He only does the problem that is immediately in front of him and then is reminded of, oh, yeah. Yeah. Your fiance is kidnapped. You were going to do something about that. We were going to do something about that, weren't we? Huh? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. But then there's a shootout out in the street between the Owl's Men and some random mafiosos. Daredevil intervenes. And finds, like, he interrupts all of this, the various groups take off, and then he finds just a random magnetic key card. It's then that we check in on Manbull, um, who is abducting the scientist, um, at the behest of the owl. Have we met Professor Kerwin before? Not that I'm aware of. The name sounds a little familiar. Uh, I don't know. I will see. But uh, the the upshot of this is the owl sent him to abduct this guy so as to uh, coerce him into fixing the problem with the owl. Because this guy works with... He works with... Um, Weird animal serums. Yeah. Uh, it does not appear we've seen Professor Kerwin before, and it doesn't look like we see him again. Okay. But, fuck it. I don't know. Uh, Daredevil so, goes to IBM or something. Well, so, real quick, the the thing about it is, this guy ostensibly works with animal serums. The problem with the owl is that the stuff he took to make him more owl-like and to give him the power of flight is now, like, atrophying his legs... Manbull is going to abduct the professor, not to help the owl, but to help him become human again. Yeah. So. Manbull uh, has, Manbull has weird feet. Every time he turns into not the Manbull, he immediately starts trying to figure out how to turn back into Manbull. Well, it's like the Hulk, you know, (laughs) every time... When he's the Hulk, he's just like, I got to stop being Hulk. This is ruining my life. And then he, they cure him and he's just like, I got to figure out how to be the Hulk again. Um, um, okay, so Daredevil goes to what is ostensibly... You to yourself, badow-dow and all of that. Yeah. Um, he was well, essentially an IBM uh, computer science laboratory in 1976. And uh, today it would be like the Apple store. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, he just pops into the genius bar. Hey, I found a key card. Can you tell me what building it goes to? No, that would be horrible security. Who would? What? How? 
How do you expect me to extract that information? Even if I had a reader on it, you really think they're just going to bury in the magnetic signals? Terrible infosec. Yeah. Like... Oh, also they call it... So he hands it to one of the computer scientists who's like, yeah, it's a magnetic key card. It probably opens one of the, one of the, a door to one of the buildings in the city. And Daredevil's like, can you tell me which building? And he's like, oh, certainly. I just wave it over this box I happen to have here, and the magnetic particles, my physics minor is irritated. Magnets are waves. Uh, and, yeah. Well, well it's a field. I mean, to, it's, be, to, be, to be fair, the particles could be magnetized, and that's what he's referring to. Oh, Maybe. <laughs> The particles are being affected by the magnetics. Anyway, he just waves it over this box and then all of a sudden, and yet again, we have to remind, I guess we've already done it twice. We have to remind our audience again that Daredevil is blind. Uh, he's like, I, and then <laughs> clearly as you can see, it displays the address. And he's like, uh, huh, are you sure there is such an address? And it's like 13 Wall Street. It's like, uh, yeah, of course. Duh. Yeah. You uh, look, the, have you, the thing are you new? Is, I know, I know that, you know, we have to act as though every issue might be somebody's first, but apparently we have to act like every page might be somebody's first. Um, but yeah, so he goes swinging off to 13 Wall Street, um, gets there and, Cracks the man bull over the head uh, as he's bringing in this professor. Um, oh, he's all the man bull is also <laughs> is also enacting his uh, is in the midst of enacting his treachery treacherous plan of run <laughs> because that was the I guess they got off the hel the owl's helicopter and I guess the whole deal the whole plan was just leg it grab it. And let's well, go. You know, bulls are well known for their strategic planning. Um, but, uh, you know, he's not like the man crow or something like That's that. True. Like, uh, the man yeah. dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so the, he, he and Daredevil fight, during which the owl sees this and he's just like, okay, I'm out. And so he gets out to his escape craft. Um, Daredevil deals with man bull by basically like knocking themselves, uh, knocking them both off a building, then using his billy club to grab hold of something and basically, basically pile driving man bull using their momentum to pile drive man bull through a wall. Uh, and then he um, he gets back to Professor Kerwin, and Kerwin's just like, I'd have done the whole thing for them if they'd only asked. Uh, I don't know why. I just made Professor Kerwin vaguely Germanic, but he's... he's vaguely? Scientist, so... Well, I didn't, I didn't want to be like, I made him German, and then have some German listener being like, Personally, I find that offensive. That is a terrible accent. I'm sure they do. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. All they had to do was ask. I don't know what that adds. 
I, you it know. feels like this really feels like hey we had hey we could throw two extra panels down here yeah you, you want to do that sure uh, i mean they could have just as easily done that with daredevil getting inside and finding that the owl had escaped but whatever yeah uh so daredevil number 145 um has a cover by al milgram um <clears throat> excuse me Written by Jim Shooter, penciled by George Tuska, inked by Jim Mooney, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Denise Wall, and then edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, Daredevil is out swinging around uh, when a young woman skids in the snow and ice and nearly takes out a bunch of pedestrians, but he saves the day, blah, blah, blah. A guy watching is just like, oh shit, well... He's already gone, otherwise I'd call dudes in, but I'll let the owl know that I saw him. The owl's like, you idiot, call them in anyway. If you see Daredevil, maybe they can track him down. Um, but so, Owl goes out to his little... However many bases Owl has, like he's just in a new one. <laughs> he went from his, his Wall Street building to... One that's like... It's a lair in the New Jersey Palisades. Yeah. It's very um, Dr. No. Um, yeah. So, um, he takes off to go enact some plan he has. Daredevil heads to the store, for, or heads to court, um, where he is propositioned by this um, oily dude. Who's just like, hey, I need a lawyer. And he's like, I know who you are. You're a piece of shit. There's no way I'm going to defend you in a court of law. And the guy's like, we'll see. We'll see. And like goes and his very obviously sinister <laughs> uh, driver slash major domo is just like, you want me to fucking kill him? <laughs> and, the, and he's like, no, no. First, we're going to do things my way. Then... If it comes to that, yeah, then you can fucking kill him. So <laughs> after I've ruined him, then you yeah. can murder him. Uh, court, court apparently goes well uh, because they go back to the storefront and Foggy's just like, let's celebrate. Of course, at this point, Foggy might be like, let's celebrate that horrific loss. But <laughs> uh, they're all just like, Foggy, we're really worried about you. But then they start making out in front of him, and that just sends him spiraling further. Um, Owl goes and takes over a hospital uh, in order to make one of the doctors fix him. Um, Daredevil. I don't, I don't hate this travel log, though. Like this travel sequence where he's. Daredevil hears about the hostage situation at the hospital the hospital happens to be upstate somewhere and because everything's upstate but yeah he goes ch changes jumps out the window jumps on a bus jumps on some passing cabbies goes through the tunnel uh and then ends up on an actual like he gets on the tracks for and waits for the train that he needs and actually like has to time it or he says he has to time it just right so that he can hook onto the train without having his arms dislocated 
Um, and he made it. And I, I don't hate that. That's like good. This is how Daredevil gets around. The thing that I kind of find kind of funny is that all of the shadows in this sequence are filled with little white dots, ostensibly to imply that there's snow everywhere and blah, blah, blah. But this includes the shadows that are on Daredevil. Yep. And usually in a situation like this, when the shadows of somebody's costume are filled with little white dots, this is meant to imply that they've gone cosmic. Right. Uh, So (laughs) I like the idea that Daredevil might inadvertently for like a minute have cosmic awareness and not know it. But anyway, he gets to the hospital, gets inside. Uh, What was to have been done has already been done ostensibly. And Owl... Um, he and Owl fight, but then, like, they tumble out a window, and Owl flies away. And Owl's uh, in, kicking his ass, uh, yeah. is the thing that we need to, like, stress. He is kicking the shit out of him, and he also seems to be wearing these leg braces that look like they were built by Tony Stark. Um, and he, he's faster, stronger, blah, blah, blah. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Um, And he, so he takes off. One of the doctors comes, that did the operation, comes yelling out, or running out of the hospital, and he's like, Daredevil, Daredevil, wait, I have to tell you something. Uh, and then he tells him something off panel. Because it has to be a reveal. I don't know why, because it's not that hard to call. Um, and he, Daredevil's like listens to him, and then just straight up takes off. Uh, somehow, yeah. cons a radio station helicopter into flying Daredevil around until yeah. they he finds the owl on a rooftop, about to take out one of the other mafia bosses by throwing him off a building. Okay, and they go down and fight. Turns out, as they're fighting midair, holding the helicopter for support at various times, he loses his grip, and we find out that the um, the doctor had sabotaged the flying device that Owl is now using during the operation, so it's not going to work right now, of course. And it fails. Uh, Owl becomes pulp. Or no, he falls in the... He falls through the ice in the river, so... Yeah. He can still Um, come back. You can walk that off. Yeah. I mean, but even if he'd, like, fallen ostensibly to his death, uh, this is comics, and so some bullshit would have happened, and he would have survived. But... Uh, but we are told that he couldn't have. He's gone forever. Sure. Uh, yeah, I believe it. Yep. Never even having, even, even without having read future issues of Daredevil, uh, I would not have believed that. Nope. So, uh, but you know, admittedly I'm incredibly jaded now. 
So uh, I was talking to Jocelyn about how just you know the surprises that we talk about all the time for blah blah blah, but like um, just how Daredevil just keeps going. It just yeah Daredevil's along. It daredevils along, and we are just we are held hostage <laughs> uh, by it. Uh, so these issues, these, I'm not, so they're not they're not awful. They're not the worst no. daredevil out there. Uh, this is actually one of the better owl stories I think I can remember. Um, yeah, which is to say that is not a high bar, but <laughs> but. Uh, there is nothing that is uh, incredibly monstrous about these issues. There's nothing that makes me go, "Oh my god, you you fucking mm, no, you son of a bitch." No, and um, I I really want them to go find Foggy's girl or fiance. Like that needs yeah. to be the story arc, guys. Why do we keep doing Man Bull and the Owl? When you've got an actually interesting story waiting in the wings, like what what issue was that? That was one fifty. Are that we not doing? We're saving this for one fifty. Really? I don't know. I don't know. Who gives a shit? I, Just do it now. Whatever. Yeah. Um. The. Yeah. So there's some frustrating stuff, but nothing that is out and out like makes me hate myself for reading it so that is ostensibly an improvement over some issues of daredevil um what i will say so these were written by jim shooter i just started watching last night a video about jim shooter and i haven't finished it yet so i'm gonna hold off on talking about it a lot but it, it is really interesting. Jim Shooter started out in the industry when he was incredibly young. Um, what, like 18? 14. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Like, How? He was... Uh, so apparently in 1963, he was recovering from an operation in a hospital and was just sitting there reading a bunch of comics and noticed a marked difference between Marvel and DC at the time, which... Yeah. Um, and so he started coming he started coming up with ideas for how to improve DC, send in some ideas, and proceeded to be hired as a as a young teenager to write this stuff. Um, <clears throat> like I said, started his career at the age of goddamn 14. Jesus. Uh, created created like a lot of the classic uh the sun eater was yeah. jim shooter uh the fatal five or the is it F fearsome five the ones who constantly fight the legion and so forth uh, -huh. uh they fought the teen titans too whatever um parasite he did the uh the issue where superman and flash race like he did all Parasite of the... when he was 15? I'm not sure how old he was when he created Parasite. Um, because he was... fuck you, that is rad. Like, Parasite... I don't know how Parasite plays in the original comics or whatever. Uh, because I don't have that... Con I 
I yeah, I don't have that kind of time. But the parasite in uh, Superman and JLA was actually really cool. Uh, yeah. as far as a villain goes and like pathos like i actually was like oh man he just he's an asshole but i understand why <laughs> yeah well so parasite premiered in august 1966 and jim shooter was born in 1951 so he was 15 years old when he created parasite Fuck. um that's but, cool as hell yeah, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that I was I was watching. So this video talked about how, like, um, the the black costume yeah. from Spider Man. So we're at a point now in Marvel Comics where we're changing editors in chief regularly. Oh yeah, like it's Marv Wolfman, it's Len Wein, it's Archie uh, Archie Goodwin. On and on and on. Um, they go through like five in a very short amount of time. And then eventually Jim Shooter becomes editor-in-chief. And so a lot of the stuff, you know, he was the one who did Secret Wars. He was yeah. like a lot of this. He created the Epic imprint, um, which published fucking Akira. And they published Mobius comics in the U.S. and stuff Damn. like that. Um, so a reader suggested an idea for a black stealth costume for Spider-Man. They bought Jim Shooter bought the idea from the guy for two hundred and twenty dollars. Premiered the whole thing in Secret Wars. Became the symbiote costume. And then Venom and so on and so forth. <laughs> like, how much how much use have they gotten out of that idea that they bought from this guy for $220? I mean, sucks for that guy, but... Uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, like, I mean, for Marvel, that was, that was a good call. And so, <laughs> I, am, I am very much in the first part of the video. The le- second part is, like how Jim Shooter pissed everybody off and how his his career has gone downhill. But, uh, yeah, the first part of it is very interesting because a lot of this stuff is is all Jim Shooter's doing. Um, or at least he was at the top when it happened, so he gets the credit for it. So, anyway, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch the rest of that. Uh, and then... We can talk about Jim Shooter, and it'll be interesting. Uh, Marvel, Marvel presents. Sorry, go ahead. Do the thing. Uh, number nine is uh, has a cover by Al Milgram and Danny Crespi. Is written by Steve Gerber and Mary Scrennis. Uh, penciled by Al Milgram, inked by Bob Wachek, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, we start out and Vince, Vance, Vance is being completely aggro. Um, and he remains so the entire issues or the entire storyline. Um, uh, Vance is having a fit cause he broke a thing. Um, didn't he break it? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, so it's a, it's a combination of things. Number one. He got to feel something 
again for the first time since all this shit happened. Um, and now that's been denied him. Additionally, he he they found that device that had all of that information, but he got so angry over how people treated the Silver Surfer that he smashed it. And so it's kind of just a big mess of like anger and like guilt and like uh, blue balls and just a whole bunch of shit. And so he is trashing his room and uh, Nikki comes in and she's like, whoa, what the hell are you doing, bro? At which point he lashes out at her and slams her into a wall with a psychokinetic blast. And she and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. And uh, well, and he yeah, it's the blue balls thing that gets his ire up again yeah. because she's like hey man calm down why don't you and i and he's just is like you fucking know i can't like yeah. why are you even doing this that's not fair um mm-hmm. and so even after he apologized well actually so he lashes out at her she ends up against the wall he's he apologizes immediately he's like oh my god what did i just do i'm so sorry um and that's when she's like well, come here, beautiful. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake! And gets pissed yeah. again when something hits the side of the ship. Um, uh, yeah. Vance is a dick and shouldn't get away with this. Um, yeah. I mean, look. I I get you're going through some shit. Nobody is trying to take that away. But, like, also, like, just because someone's going through some stuff doesn't give them the right to be an asshole. And so the people around them have to call them out for that. Um, Uh, But they are interrupted because the ship lurches and shit. Um, (laughs) So they go, uh, they're called up to the bridge and it turns out that they're, the Captain America has been uh, encased in this energy globe. And is being circled by all of these ships. Um, by the Reavers of Arcturus. Um, yeah. Who, Aletta is the one who tells us that. Yeah. Okay, apparently, <clears throat> Aletta is currently in charge of the molecules. Um, yeah. And this issue, we start to find out what the hell the deal is with Starhawk. And now I kind of regret asking. Um, right. <laughs> Um, what's the deal with Starhawk? Why is he such a dick? Oh. Oh, no. Uh, so... I will say the ships are cool as hell. These birds of prey. Um, anyway, so they start demanding that Aletta tell them what the hell is going on. And she's like, uh, no. Well, they're like, you're the one who told us to come here. Right. What the hell? And she's like, no, I didn't have any choice. And um, Nikki's like, well, it's not like she was planning on turning this into a suicide mission, were you? And she's like, no. And they're like, okay, so 
we need to know what the hell's going on. You tell us that the kids are in danger or whatever, fine, but we got to know what the hell this is all about. And, uh... Yeah, because radiation is soaking the ship. Uh, Yeah. um, They're trying to find out when we die. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Um, uh, So, at that moment, like, some... The change begins, and, uh... She which, is, is to, which is to say she starts turning into Starhawk, not, not that she's going through menopause. Um, um, and Starhawk stands up and is like, let's, you know, come on, let's just do this. We have, we don't have any time to delay. I know how to get out, get us out of this. Um, and at that point, like, Aletta tries to change back into Aletta, which drives Starhawk down. But when it's all said and done, Starhawk and Aletta are separated. Uh, Which I don't really understand. Like, I, there's no real... Maybe it's the radiation. That's what I was going to say. Is it um, has to be the fact that they're being bathed in radiation. But that's not... That's it's not, not enough explained it's just kind of like this is just a thing that happens and then you're just kind of like okay but but once you find out once you find out the origin of starhawk you're just like oh well i guess that must have been why but um it's not it's not explained so they pick them up and they're just like wow they're really light and they get them down to sick bay where they discover that Star that Starhawk and Aletta only have like half the molecules that they should. And uh they're just like, well that's fucking weird, isn't it? And uh Aletta comes to and she's like talking about the kids. Um at which point Martin X is just like, Hey, so you've been separated. We have to know what the hell's going on? And she's like, I can't. I'm so weak. So Yondu uses his space native abilities Ugh. to mind meld with her. Uh, at which point we are transported to this random ass planet uh, wherein a a weird like snake guy finds a lab and in it is a baby. Um, and and at that point, like the guy's just like, oh, it's alive and just like takes off. He just, yeah, (laughs) just wanders away. He goes outside and all these sort of anthropomorphized animal people are described as sort of empty. Like they don't really seem to give a shit about much at all. Um, one of them, uh, a, I'm going to go octopus lady. I don't know. I don't know. She has, she's the weirdest one. Tentacles. Yeah. She has antenna and kind of tentacle things. Very mutants from Futurama. Uh, wait, what did they want to be called? Mutants. I forget. Um, it's been a while since I watched Futurama, so I really don't recall. 
God, I'm going to have to hand in my nerd cred. That's um, fine. I don't remember what I'm thinking of. Anyway, so this, as she's going in to check out the baby that the snake man found, soldiers show up and begin mowing down all everybody. Um, one of the soldiers comes into the lab, finds the tentacle woman and the baby, uh, kills the tentacle woman, and takes the baby as his, cell, as his own. Uh, then we learn that he raises the baby uh, to be some sort of as his own son. S- cut to Stakar is now uh, 14 or something. Yeah, he's a, he's a young teen. And he hasn't exactly stood up to what this militarily focused society has want from him he's he's a thinker and he imagine you know but he's seen as a layabout and even his sister aletta uh adoptive sister aletta is like you need to get up and focus and do your training so that you can pass whatever thing and Uh, so you don't bring shame uh, upon our household um (sighs) but he stakar sets out on his own uh into the ruins that he can see from their rooftop. Um, it's a large section of the city that's just decimated and left that way. Uh, but so he goes off into the rooms to see what he can see. It f- stumbles on a gigantic hawk god statue. At which point I was like, oh no, hawk god, run! Run! <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't, this doesn't go anywhere good. Abandon! <laughs> No one has just gets confusing. (laughs) No one has ever said the words "hot god" and not been horribly confused by the end of it. Um, Aletta comes out of a as he starts beginning to uh, study the statue. Aletta pops out of the shadows and is like, "Ha! I followed you. Let's go." And he's like, "No, just wait a minute. Let me just wait." Um, And they end up staying. Yeah. Cut to back to the ship. They get they get re they get combined. They get rejoined because of some mental like they because they had they retold the story to Yondu and the rest of them, and because of that. they made up and decide to be enough molecules for a person again. <laughs> um, yeah, go for it. Uh, so he jumps off the table and then uh, heads to the teleporter room um, and is like, we can, we can do this shit. It's fine. Um, and so they teleport him outside uh, but then, like, their teleporter is taken over, uh, and some dudes teleport in, like, a big, a big, like, berserker caveman-looking guy with, like, a ball on one fist and, like, a uh, robotic hand and shit, and then just some soldier guys. Um, we cut to Arcturus, where... Um, Stakar's adopted father is just like, yes, now I can have my revenge. 
our future was stolen from us by that asshole, and now uh, I will have my revenge, and I will have my revenge through the children. We see the kids, and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. And just in, like, just in case you thought we really did space these children. Uh, <laughs> and, but I actually would have been like, I don't know, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I am a monster, but like, it would have been, a, I think it would have been better if they would have actually spaced them and yeah. done something with that. Uh, but no, they're, they're alive and he is, uh, uh, weaning them off of their ability to feel empathy. Yeah, um, but he's like, Stakar and Alita will die by your hand. Blah, blah, blah. So, all right. So that brings us to Marvel Presents number 10, which has a cover by Al Milgram, is written by Roger Stern, penciled by Al Milgram and Jim Starlin, Colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Um, we pick up the dudes who have teleported in are now attacking the Guardians remaining aboard the Captain America. Uh, the Guardians put up a hell of a fight and in the process um, <laughs> they lose gravity for a minute. But that's okay, because Charlie 27 knows how to handle that shit. Uh, absolutely lambasts the uh, barbarian dude with the hand mace. Uh, and when looking at it, it's then that Martin X realizes uh, that the barbarian dude is actually an android. Um and that uh, they're all, like, really old ones, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Martin X actually says, I'd hypothesize that the newest one is older than you. Um, so, uh, we then switch to Starhawk, who is... Uh, well, I'm trying to... so. Um, he just kind of takes off. Yeah, he was um, going to go solve the problem with the mounting radiation, and uh, he bailed. Yeah, like, that's what I'm trying... Because there's no point at which it explains that he's doing that. It's just, it switches to him, and he's fucked off. <laughs> like, he is just elsewhere. So he is being watched by his adoptive father, Agrod. Yeah. Um... And uh, he talks about how the children will be his weapon of revenge. And they, one of them responds, yes, grandfather, we shall. But it's very halting, implying that they're being controlled. Um, so then we switch to flashback and we see that in the past, Stakar was... Um, was continuing to study the stuff in the Temple of the Hawk God. Uh, Alita stuck around to protect him while he did so. And one day she then saw a patrol ap approaching. 
uh, ran inside to get Stakar, and she's like, it's only a matter of time before they find us. We've got to get out of here. He's like, no, I can't. I'm so close to unlocking this knowledge. She grabs a helmet from him and throws it and says, this doesn't fucking matter. We got to go. Uh, the helmet hits the floor and proceeds to blast her, at which point she is converted into energy. Um, energy that energy is then, sorry. yeah, that energy is then deposited into the giant, uh, statue of not Hawkman. And, uh, he, the Thanagarian, uh, jumps out through the, uh, <laughs> through the ceiling of the temple and proceeds to lay waste to both the, uh, Reaver uh, Scout Patrol and also all of the nifty little planes that they send after him. Um, he just wrecks fucking shop. Uh, and Stakar puts the helmet back on, realizes that it's Aletta in the statue, grabs a leftover uh, flying machine that he can't really control but manages to get to um to the hot god statue and basically convince aletta to open her mind to his mind at which point everything explodes yeah there is a full-blown atomic explosion yeah uh, which reduces, like, the entire area around it to just a sheet of glass. And uh, the the remaining Reavers go running in there, even though, I mean, there's fallout. There's fallout, guys. Like, come on. Uh, they go running in, and they discover uh, Stakar and uh, Agrod demands to know what's going on and Stakar is just like what? what? No, like, no, no greeting for your adopted son and then he flips and it's Aletta and or your daughter and then he turns himself into Starhawk and says they're both gone now I'm leaving goodbye and Ogrod's like no you have to stay and help us conquer the goddamn galaxy and Stakar's like no. One day I'll leave, and then one day you'll learn your folly. Yeah. Apparently, this is the inciting incident that Ogrod is actually pissed about, because he believes that if Starhawk had stayed to help their civilization, they would be further along in their development of some sort of inter- intragalactic empire and well uh, at this point in time he swears vengeance because he's just like if you abandon us now i'll i swear i'll never rest until i have your head um there is there is something in i think the next <coughs> issue where they specifically he has further run-ins with the arcturans <coughs> and prevents them from achieving their goals as well yep um so it's not like this is the sole thing, Agrod. Uh, but he did swear vengeance 
after this one thing. Uh, but yeah, he he does have. There were further incidents, but um, yeah, we we see Agrod and he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna fulfill that vow. Today you die. Uh, but while I'm waiting, fuck your friends. And then we see the Captain America explode. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. So, Marvel... Why? What? Go ahead. I no, can what? start. I... Why does this era of writer find Starhawk so interesting? We've got an entire cast of characters here, but for the most part, all of the stories in in the Presents Marvel or the Marvel Presents Guardians have been pretty Starhawk heavy. I I think this is the the JJ Abrams style of storytelling where a mystery is inherently interesting and it's just kind of like no it's not like no an interesting mystery is interesting <laughs> a mystery can be really fucking annoying and yeah starhawk the... is the latter <laughs> starhawk is the worst case of mystery box where it's like can he see the future can't he I don't there is there is a uh, there is a college humor video where they were they did a thing about Damon Lindelof and it's like in the video Damon Lindelof steals traps lunch and he's just like now the mystery begins and he's like what I just I just want my lunch and he's like who am I who do I work for am I on your side or someone else's and he's like I don't care. I just want my <laughs> lunch and everything. And then like this other dude shows up and he's just like, the green lady says plans are proceeding. And he's like, who the fuck is that? Why do I care? I just want to know where my lunch is. Do you know? And he's like, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. And he's like, that's not mysterious. It's just fucking annoying. <laughs> anyway. So Yeah. And that's that's what Starhawk is. Is it's a lost style mystery where it's just like, ooh, what's happening? And you're just like, ooh, I really don't care. And this character does not make me want to know more. Yeah. In fact, because he's annoying and an <laughs> asshole, and I actually don't want to hang out with him. He's mean, verbally abusive to the people, and dismissive. To the characters around him that I do think are neat. Yeah. Why are you making me hate Vance Astro when I already hate Starhawk? Like, yeah, I would much rather chill with like Charlie Twenty Seven. Charlie's rad. Charlie yeah. is fantastic because he's the most sensitive dude on the entire team. Um, he feels for uh, Martin X being in a position of leadership that he's not particularly ready for. And he feels for Nikki and her uh, being, having spent seven years alone trapped inside of a spaceship uh, because she was afraid she was going to get murdered every turn. Uh, she fe- He feels, he's actually sensitive to anything that Yondu wants to get up to. Anytime they start, like, 
Vance starts downplaying Yondu's culture, uh, Charlie's like, hey man, maybe just let him do his thing. It actually doesn't affect you at all. You're, you're being soups racist right now? <laughs> yeah, you're being a dick. Um, and yeah, he's Charlie's the best. I'd rather hang out with Charlie or Martin X. Or Yondu. Or Yondu. I mean, Yondu's, Yondu's, Yondu's problematic, but like, I think he's, I think he's more interesting as a character and he's a character that I'd much rather see more of and maybe develop properly than like whatever they've got with Starhawk. Right now, Yondu is a terrible trope. That does not mean that he cannot become a character. If you spend yeah. some time. Um, uh, oh, well, let's do 11. Number 11 uh, is inked by Bob Wachek and Il- Al Milgram. Not Il Mal- not Il Malgram. Uh, and colored by Phil Rachelson. Um, we start and like the Guardians are f- floating in uh, like they are being racked by the explosion of the Captain America. Um, what and this, we... the splash is a bit of a mi- misdirect because right. it kind of looks like they're floating among the wreckage, right? In um, space, but right. then it turns out that they u- that as the ship is exploding, the we kind of glossed over it last issue when the Arctura. When the Reavers of Arcturus do this, they attack on mass, build the globe, and then all of them piss off except for one that sticks oh, around yeah. to get the readings. Um, and so this one remaining ship, in the wreckage of the Captain America, a an escape pod uh, flies out and docks with the Arcturan Reaver bird of prey thing and i think uh, it's named the bird of prey yeah oh no this one's called the kamar it is a bird of prey you were right um, um but the guardians then attack and overwhelm uh the forces aboard immediately we also then... find out that not only does nikki have like superhuman resistance to heat and flames for hair and she's also a fucking dead eye yeah. So, like, I want to hang out with these people more. Why won't you let me? Yeah, um, this, this whole thing, like... with Them the, boarding the ship is fucking rad. Yeah. Like, they all get and to then, have like, their own powers and everything, and Charlie cool. 27 just, like, steamrolls the entire bridge crew. <laughs> yeah. And they come in, and, it, like, the entire bridge crew is just in a heap. <laughs> Charlie 27 is, like, holding up the, the commander, and he's just like, Hey, guys. <laughs> Um, he's like pretty sure this one's the captain you're the captain aren't you and the guy's like yes yes please don't murder me um nikki comes in she's got a fucking pistol that she picked up from somebody she's like i'm sure the captain's not gonna cause any more trouble and he won't mind us taking in all of this uh the bridge crew to to the brig and piling them like cordwood um it it He's like, no, 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 don't, yeah, no, I don't mind, go for it. Yeah. Great. Uh, Martin X gets to the helm, and they 
head out to try and find Starhawk. We well, do. So Martin X, Martin X accesses the computer. Oh, and yeah. it's then that the guardians kind of find out what we found out last issue. It's then that we also find out that, yeah, Starhawk had intervened in a couple of the early advances in space flight that Arcturus undertook. Like they, they met aliens and tried to seize their ship and Starhawk intervened. And it's at that point that it wasn't just Ogrod that was out to get Starhawk. The entire race basically declared a fatwa against Starhawk at that point. Uh, they did, they found out where Starhawk was living and it, you know, they captured the children, all of that. Um, they then, uh, they then find out that uh, the kids possess latent powers, and they're like, "Oh God, that's really not good." So Starhawk proceeds to head toward Arcturus, um, and uh, finds very little resistance in the way. Doesn't really put together that that's not a good thing. Uh, and the captain, the commander of the ship that the guardians commandeered is just like, yeah, your buddy's walking into a trap. Ha ha ha. So they knock him the fuck out and then, uh, they take off after Starhawk. So Starhawk arrives above Arcturus four and proceeds to blast his way in to, uh, Ogrod's bunker. It's then that Ogrod is just like, yeah, here are your kids take them and uh the kids are just you know uh starhawk says like kids don't you recognize me and uh the kids are just completely like blank and uh agrad's like of course they do welcome your parent children um and so they start blasting him um Agrod explains that they are psychic vampires, uh, and Starhawk is like, you did this to them? And Agrod's like, no, this was always just them. We just kind of, you know, kind of teased it out. We We just uh, modified their targeting. Yeah. Um, Um, One real quick before we switch back is, uh, so the kids' names we've known for a couple issues are Tara, Sita, and John. Yeah. Now, those must be the wackiest fucking names on this planet. Yeah. Because his name is Stakar, and her name is Alita, and yeah. this dude, and of the family Agron. So, John must be like, Stakar would be here. Like, if I named, if you would have named your child Stakar, yeah. that would have been weird. Well, I, I feel like. I feel like they were named in an earlier issue and like as far back as we first saw the kids. Maybe. Um, and I feel like maybe they were named before we really got into uh, the origins of Starhawk and stuff like that. So yeah. it's possible that it was just like, okay, we've got to somehow roll Terra, Sita and John into this wacky fucking whatever. Um, 
But yeah, so they start blasting Starhawk. Uh, the the Guardians arrive at Arcturus Four, and Ground Control is just like, um, "What are you doing? You're you're not supposed to. You were supposed to remain in orbit. What are you doing, Dave? Dave, what are you doing?" <laughs> and so they proceed to uh, plow through the tower. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, crash land, and then fight their way through all of these people. Uh, Starhawk is still getting blasted and is sort of switching back and forth between Stakar and Alita. The kids start aging. Yeah. Uh, and before you know what, they're adults. Uh, at which point the Guardians burst in. Um, and Agrod is just like, children, continue your attack, but protect yourselves at all costs. Um, so they create an impenetrable dome of energy over themselves. Um, and the guardians try to try to attack the dome, but it's not doing any good. So Nikki's just like, um, let's leave that be. We can't get to them. Yeah. But this dude's still out here. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> they grab Ogrod. Um, at which point, uh, the kids are just like, what? Uh, and Yondu works out that the headbands are what are controlling the kids. So when the kids react, they involuntarily drop the shield, at which point, um, Vance is able to blast the headbands off their heads, um, the kids come to and are just like, oh my God, what have we done? Uh, but then they continue aging uh, before their eyes. And um, Starhawk tries to do something about it, but he's so weak from the attack that he can't. So the kids basically age and then turn to dust right in front of them. Um, and... Uh, the Guardians comfort Starhawk as uh, <clears throat> Agrod is like pawing at the dust. And it's implied here that he's not doing, clearly he's not doing this because he cared about the kids. He's doing it because his, his plans have been destroyed and so forth. Um, which, that sucks, but whatever. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Marvel presents number 12 is what, what I was wondering, which is a Charlie 27 centric issue. Uh, it is. And God, by... it's so much more interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. it is. Uh, it's inked by Bob Wachek. So the guardians gather up, um, Starhawk, who is kind of just, Starhawk is, has suffered both physical and mental trauma in the course of all of this. So they they proceed to walk out with them. There's a bunch of guys outside. I love the way they do this because you see a bunch of soldiers with their, like their weapons trained. And then the next panel is them like laying in a pile. And like one dude has his rifle wrapped around his head. <laughs> Um, stuff like that, but <clears throat> clearly these reavers are uh, 
They ate the vest. Yeah, this is this is some stormtrooper level shit. Yeah. Um so the we see we see a little bit of like the the Arcturan leaders are just like they're taking off. Let's stop them. And the guy's like, whoa there, bro. <laughs> they have yeah. trashed us. You want to try and stop them, be my guest. But as you know, where I'm concerned, <laughs> they are more than welcome to just fuck all the way off. <laughs> yeah. Stop them with what they've routed the home guard, broken the high commander, and decimated the fleet. You want to stop them? Be my guest. As far as I'm concerned, they can get it. They can't get far away enough. And it's like, I love that that is, I did not realize how early on, like, that was set up. Because that, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that gets done in the movies a lot. Where it's like, you can keep going after them, but that's just going to continue ending poorly. I don't know why you're going to. Um this is a great setup for that. I like that. It's probably the best part of this whole story. Well, no. That's coming. So, um, they get into orbit and head on out, but they need to find better medical facilities than they have for right. Starhawk. Yeah, cuz this this ship like this is not like a full-blown, you know, the the Captain America seems to be kind of like the in a, in more than just appearance, yeah, appears very enterprisey in that yeah. it's this is a ship that is designed for long term. You know, sort of you're out in space. You may need better medical, um, medical facilities than you would for a for short range fighter like this one. Um, yeah. and so. They're just like, yeah, we've got a little bit on hand, but it's not enough. And so, uh, Charlie Twenty Seven sends out a uh, a distress signal, and they hear back. Um, and in in heading toward the signal they received, they find this giant space station that we learn is called dry dock. Um, and Charlie that 27, is, sorry. Yeah. And it's not an alien ship. It's an actual Federation, like human. Yeah. Federation, meaning the, the colonized planets of Saul. Uh, yeah. And this is, he, he, tells it really quick or he gives us a quick rundown to Nick. He gives Nikki and us a quick rundown of the history of this, uh, space station. He thought it was lost during the war or it was reported lost during yeah. the Badoon war. Right. Was it the Badoon? Well, yeah, it would have been, it would have, cause they're the ones who yeah, currently um, own the earth. Anyway. And he's like, so I'm real confused. He was actually set to be stationed here too. If I remember correctly, I I'm not sure. I don't recall that, but no, it that may have been in there. That would have been neat. But they go on, and uh, you know, tons of people still around. Holy shit! Um, yeah, he when they're when they're getting ready to go in, they're like, "What are we? What are we looking at here?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, 
dry dock is probably a derelict, so I would expect that it's probably just running on automated programming, at which point they come inside and the entire dock is just full of dudes. And just, Charlie's just like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but all of these soldiers come up and, you know, they they explain who they are and the guys are like, hey, salute, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, they take Starhawk uh, and are accompanied by Yondu and I believe Martinex um, down to sick bay to deal with Starhawk's issues. And then uh, one of them is just like, follow me, I'll take you up to our commander. No sooner do they leave than all of the uh, all of the soldiers that are still in the dock area, just blink out of existence in a flash of light. The guy that's ex- escorting Charlie, Nikki, and Vance brings them upstairs and is like, listen, you probably want to fresh- freshen up. You've had a long journey. Uh, you know, do what you got to do. So they go in. Vance just chills outside. But Nikki and uh, <clears throat> Charlie 27 get some new clothes Nikki gets one that's exactly like, uh, basically exactly like what she had. I don't know. I don't uh, the know. The cutouts that... on the sides are different. Are they? That's what I was wondering, but I couldn't find a. Anyway, yeah, Pre- it's basically sure the... the same. Except, um, no, the cutouts are the same. Um, it's the frills. Are they? She's, okay. The frills. The frilling is new. Um, okay. And. Well, it was the seventies. Whatever. Uh, but Charlie gets a new costume. Um, and so he uh, he comes out and they're like, um, they are then are brought before the commander who is also a Jovian, like Charlie 27. And uh, the, ca- the commander is like, you didn't think you were the only Jovian in the service? And he's like, well, no, but like, I I did think I was the last, so this is great. Um, pity there's not a Jovian woman, but whatever. Um, so they're talking about it, and it turns out that um, when the Badoon attacked Dry Dock, they were in the process of developing a new type of engine. They, in order to escape, uh, they used it and wound up being blasted out of the solar system. Um, and, uh, and then the new engine promptly died. Yeah. The new engine crapped out and they were, uh, they were stranded. Uh, Charlie 27 goes to be like, ha 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 and slap the guy on the back, but his hand goes right through. Um, at which point, a bunch of machinery, like something grabs hold of Charlie. Um, and, uh, Vance and Nikki are about to react when they get gassed. Charlie breaks out of it, but then winds up falling down a shaft. And in the course of things, as he's clawing his way back through the machinery of dry dock, we find out that, 
all of the people are holograms, obviously. Uh, when the when the drive malfunctioned, it flooded the ship with radiation, and all of the people died. Um, the ship's plan now is to uh, take the guardians and use them to clone new people to live on dry dock because the computer's just like, I'm a computer. I take orders from people with no people around. I'm just kind of here by myself and that's not the way it should be. So let's get some more people. <laughs> um, and five and, of you is not enough. Let's make some more. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie fights his way through the various, uh, there's a giant roller thing, some big compressor things that are thoughtfully padded. Yeah. Uh, which I, like I thought that. was a very nice move on the ship's part. Um, some various tentacles and shit. He fights his way through <clears throat> and manages to get uh, to the uh, the airlock where he puts on a suit, uh, fights his way through a bunch of robots, and then uh in doing so, blast, the wall gets blasted open. Uh, and so he is just like, well, this will be a whole lot easier if Drydock thinks that I was blasted outside with the robots. So he takes a chunk of metal and uses it to destroy the sensors. Um, Charlie's then, rad because that's yeah, such a he, smart move. Like, yeah. And he he thinks about it, like yeah, he's so, he's red, and I don't. Charlie know. Charlie twenty seven because he's like the bruiser. It would be it would be very easy to make him big and stupid. Yeah, but he is so effective in every way in this issue. Um, he gets back inside and gets to uh, sick bay where Nikki is about to be. Um, Nikki and Vance are about to be dissected by some androids. He destroys them and frees Nikki uh, and leaves her to wake up the others. He gets inside or he gets to the central computer core um, and, and proceeds like, to start yanking shit. Well, like, and he's like, I wish Marty were here. He's very, very good at what he does, and he's smart. He's not a stupid man, or, like, a stupid dude who's very good at soldiering. Like, he's thoughtful, he's 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 thinking about his moves before he makes them, but he, when he gets into the computer core, he's like, I know when I'm beat, smash! Like, that's yeah. what I, I, this is now the tool I got. I wish Marty yeah. were here, he's better with this, but, oh well, we, we don't, we're running out of time. Well, um, and I, what I really like is the, the hologram of the Jovian appears and is like, don't, you'll, you'll destroy the life support systems. And Charlie Lee's like, I know oh, this yeah. base, uh, life support has its own backups. That's not the issue here. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And Again, so, like he, kn- he knows how these things work and he's not going to be lied to. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, and uh, so the the computer tries a different tactic and calls up an image of Charlie Twenty Seven's father, who was apparently in the service as well, and so that's how it 
has the information on him. Um, and the, the computer keeps trying to like tempt him and it's just like, it'll be just like it was Charlie boy. And Charlie like has a couple of let's loose a couple of tears, but then proceeds to just trash the computer console. At which point the hologram is like, I'm sorry and disappears. Um, and Charlie like compose is composing himself as the guardians come in, and Nikki's like, "Is is everything okay?" And he's like, "Huh? Yeah, everything." Oh, okay. sure, yeah, fine. everything's fine. Like that's so cool. Like the yeah. fact that he can, like, we're making a character choice that, yes, he has feelings, and you get you the audience gets to see them, but to everybody else, it's always hunky dory, and it's yeah. like. What? Okay, Man, this is so much better than Starhawk. <laughs> yeah. What a prick. Ah. Uh, <sighs> like, yeah. This is so much more. They have done, in a single issue, they have done more work that is more interesting with Charlie 27 than all the stuff with Starhawk we've So gotten. far. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's like... Literally anyone else. <laughs> uh, when they, I, I can't. Have you read uh, the issues when they get their of their the first few ish issues of their own book? No. Okay. I can't because we get to do similar things with Vance in that. Um, so I can't. I can kind of not wait. And actually, Mark next too. Uh, Nikki. Well, good. Nikki doesn't get a lot of good time but at least not to my knowledge which sucks but the rest of them get a lot of good work um so so yeah yeah. i like i said like i'm glad so i'm glad we got starhawk's origins and shit kind of out of the way because now we they can't keep being like, ooh, who is Starhawk? How is he the way he is? What does he know and why? And now it's just like, we, we know all that. Okay, fine. But like, thank God that's over with. I just, I'm really annoyed about having to go through it. Uh, but the last, the last issue was really good, which is why it kind of sucks that that's it for right now. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Uh, there's more coming. Um, Marvel 2 and 1, uh, number 25, has a cover by Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott, apparently. I I look at the cover and I don't... It doesn't really scream Kirby. And so that's why I'm like, all right. But uh, whatever. It really uh, showcases Sinnott's inking more than anything. Yeah. But uh, the issue is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Sam Granger, uh, colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Um, so we start, and the the Thing and Alicia are at a Jets game. Um, and Which is already just... a fate worse than death. <laughs> uh and, you know, Thing is doing his standard sort of, I just, it's amazing to me that a woman like you is even interested in me. Um, when they are interrupted 
uh, because the Goodyear blimp abducts Ben. Um, you know, that old chestnut. Um, and of course, Alicia, Alicia is just like, Ben, Ben, please speak to me. Someone tell me what's happening. And it's just like, yeah. Um, but Ben is brought on board. He, he had gotten knocked out by some Ray, uh, but he wakes up and he is, uh, trapped along with Iron Fist and, you know, Iron Fist does the whole introduction thing and, uh, I, things like, oh, you're one of those Kung fu guys I've been seeing <laughs> and stuff like that. The thing that I like about this issue, um, cause most of the rest of it is fairly whatever. Um, yeah. The thing that I really like is the fact that Ben keeps calling Iron Fist Fancy Fist, or which greenie. sounds like cat food. Yeah, <laughs> um, a greenie, so, which also sounds like cat food. Um, um, Iron Fist phrased himself fairly easily. He was actually just waiting around to see if uh, Ben would wake up. But and they're still on the blip. Yeah. But then, like, it detaches, and it the blimp, it turns out, was just camouflage. And it's actually, the box itself is like a jet. Um, yeah. Which flies them to another country. Um, it's called Kaiwan. And you're just like, <sighs> okay. Um but the the rundown of, the rundown of this is both Thing and Iron Fist were approached by representatives of the nation of Kaiwan, who had attempted to bring them in to teach their soldiers how to fight in this war against their neighbor. Uh, well, Iron Fist was. They asked Iron Fist to come in and teach their men. Thing they wanted to just come in and wreck shop. Um, so both Iron Fist and Thing refused, um, because I'm sure they get approached like this all the time. It's just like, if you're a superhero, you basically have people coming out of the word work being like, Hey, I need help with this. Hey, can you kill my boss? <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> like, yeah. Would so, you like to do some war crimes? No. Yeah. <laughs> so please. Uh, it turns out, though, that the nation of Kaiwan has managed to negotiate a peace and that the queen of Kaiwan will marry the emperor of their neighboring country. Um, this was the plan. However, General ugh, Changa uh, was not for that, so he kidnapped uh, Queen Sen and is holding her in an effort to torpedo the peace process. Right. Process. Uh, in the course of this, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Prince Dragon, you know, explains all of this to them. Uh, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of like they go to deal with some shit, but then like they they assault this temple on a on a crater and uh it 
when they do Prince Dragon is like, there's a big misunderstanding here. We had tried to reach out to you because we needed help. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And so Iron Fist and Thing agree to help. They then assault the fortress of General Chonga, which really like is pretty, is dealt with pretty quickly. Like they, they, uh, they, they parachute in. Parachute in. Yeah. And proceed to the one the one surprise in all of this is that when General Changa shows up, he's like, um, no, you fools will not defeat my army, not while General Changa lives, and not while he holds the unshatterable Okamayari, the Death Axe. Um when once once you have a villain in a comic book in general, and especially a comic book featuring Iron Fist talking about the unshatterable death axe they hold. I kind of figure that thing's getting shattered, but right. it doesn't. And I'm like, no. so now I've got axe shattering blue balls and I'm well, not we happy don't even, about it. We don't even get to see the head of the axe. Yeah. He, Cause he goes to like swing. swinging it above his head. He swings it from low to high above his head. The axe head goes behind him out of panel. But and then it punches him. And the thing hits him real hard. And uh, he's like, okay, stay down. Wham. Slams him on the chest as well. And he's like, really? Stay down. And he's like, okay, cool. At which point Queen Sen comes out of a cave and is like, Oh no, are you hurt, my prince? And like, hooray, they love each other a lot. Um, cool, good. But they end up marrying Queen Sen to the emperor of whichever place as well. Anyway, because she's good at her fucking job and it's sacrificing for her people. Yeah, and like, as they're standing there watching Queen Sen talk to the emperor of... <sighs> caricature of stan um yeah it's not great they thing is talking to uh prince dragon and he's like you know she should talk about sacrifice and uh prince dragon says my friend sometimes we must all make sacrifices even if that sacrifice must be the fragile emotion called love it's very sad yada yada not not a stellar issue there's there's some things that are like the nation of Kaiwan is super not great. Um, no, uh, but also just as far as the story, it's like we we seem to spend a lot of time in places that we don't need to, and not as much time yeah. in places that would have been either. Because like, okay, so my thing about two and one is when it's fun, it's great, right? Mm-hmm. Like when two and one doesn't take itself too terribly seriously and is just like, let's just have Ben Grimm get into a situation with another hero and then hijinks, right? Yeah. Like, the the issue with Black Widow, fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. The issue with, uh, that we did last week with Bill Foster, also really good. Not yeah. not as much because of like the action or anything, but because it was very, very Ben Grimm um, yeah. being himself. This one was like a little confused. Um, yeah. Still not the worst. 
So, I don't know. I, it's not it, the worst. It's like we it's, it's, we didn't do enough iron fisting. There wasn't enough iron fisting. Uh, like, the one time that they really bring up his fist becoming like unto a thing of iron, it's kind of just a moment where it's like, whatever. Because a dude, like, attack a blind swordsman attacks him and, like, Iron Fist blocks, and the guy's like, how are you blocking my sword? And it's like, thing unto iron, blah, 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 whatever. But we never really get that in the in the climax of the story. It's And like I said, the, the overall fight with General Changa and his army, which again, is the reason we're here, yeah. takes a page and a half. From from them parachuting in to wow. Thing knocking out General Changa. Yeah. It takes a page and a half. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, man, if only we had spent less time fucking around. Like, yeah, they and that's what it they is. They could have, when Ben and Danny were on the plane... <clears throat> They could have done the whole conversation about, like, we tried to reach out to you, you rebuffed us. And it's just like, well, we didn't know what was going on. Well, you didn't let us ask. Well, we get a lot of requests from random-ass people. They could have done all of that on the jet instead of dumping them into the forest. The whole misunderstanding thing, the whole temple thing, the blah, blah, blah. There's a whole page And spent more time on Changa. There's, yeah, there's, it's a two-page that I didn't where it's Prince Dragon explaining to the person we'll find out is the emperor of the neighboring country. Uh, Like that's a giant panel. And then a whole page spread of them doing the journey from after they kicked the guy's butts to the ridge of the four hells and the temple there. And it's like, why are you wasting all this? It's, good looking stuff but also like why are we wasting all this space we did I, I agree with you we could have just done this most of this on the plane and then got to an actual like let's have a battle against an army yeah right? that would have been cooler yeah oh well whatever whatever um so that brings us to a run of thor this week uh i did not realize going into this we have walt simonson on thor uh, now this is not the uh, beginning of his actual run because looking at it, it looks like there may be a few more creative changes in the near future. But yeah, Walt Simonson doing Thor. Uh, as Fuck soon as God. I got to that page or I got to that book, I turned to my girlfriend and I go, "Holy sh!" Or I, I was sitting next to my girlfriend at the kitchen bar while we were reading, and I was like, "Holy shit!" She's like, "What?" I go, "Walt Simonson," and she's like decrypt that and i go uh, <laughs> i was like okay so you know how i would tell you like when jr worked at the comic shop neither of us were very into thor until we started doing this and the older guys would come into the shop and be like oh man thor back in the 70s that was some good shit and we were like uh what do you mean walt simonson run is fantastic go look it up and then we never did because we are insolent children and uh they, <laughs> it's they true <laughs> it's true and uh 
I was like, but I'm told that this is when, by various sources, that uh, that this is when it gets some good shit. Um, and by page one, I was already like, holy crap! Because uh, the art's markedly different and better. I have thoughts. Um, well, it's it's one of those things, like, I love John Bashima, And sure. I like John Bashima's Thor. Um, right. But yeah, like there are very few things that can compare with Walt Simonson's Thor. And so even getting like proto Simonson Thor is just it's it's exciting. Um, well, and even the story gets better at that issue. It's yeah. weird. It's really fun because it's a little tedious and like, oh, God, for the first three or four of these. And then the Walt Simonson. Because we're just like, let's. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. Spore, Spore wound up being better than I thought it was going to be, but it was like still just like, can we get on? And then the Grey Gargoyle stuff is just like, I don't fucking care. Uh, yeah. But then like, why why do you need to Star. do? Yeah. When we or get to the Doom Star. Yeah, it is. it is. I think it is the Doom Star. I forget. Uh, but, and, yeah. and after they plow through it. Doomsday sh- Star. Yeah. Is, sh- yeah. Uh, but anyway, Thor number two fifty six is color or has a cover by Ed Hannigan, John Bashima, and Frank Giacoya. Uh, it is written by Len Wein, penciled by John Bashima, inked by Tony DeZuniga, colored by Glennis Wein, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Len Wein. Um, the Asgardians are cruising along on the Starjammer, which still is weird to call this the star jammer uh just having i recognize that it was first but i'm like i'm sitting here an x-men fan from way back sitting here going like that's not the fucking star jammer it's not the star jammer i'm sorry it's not the star you can call it whatever the fuck you want it's not the star jammer um, okay. Does it help or hurt if I if I were to say to you that I've been treating it as a star jammer? I understand. I re- I recognize that it's fine. I'm not like I'm not like gonna call in death threats to Marvel's offices based on a comic from the '70s. But I'm just I'm just saying like it's hard to. It's like it's like when you, it's like if you started reading the Flash. Right. And then, you know, you, the first time you see, if you've been reading Barry Allen or Wally West or whoever, and then suddenly out of nowhere, you find out about the golden age flash and you see him and you're just kind of like, what the fuck is this? This isn't flash. And it's like, well, yeah, it is. This is the golden age flash. And you're like, that's not what the flash looks like <laughs> and it's like or the golden age green light like yeah, yeah. It, they're they're valid but like in that moment when you're used to one thing and you see something that's not that even if it predates the thing you're used to seeing you're still just kind of like but but like that's not the thing that i like <laughs> um anyway so they are cruising along on the star jammer when Something starts heading toward them. Uh, and, uh, and... 
Hogan's immediately like, I'm gonna hit it. And Thor's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Uh, and the thing is humanoid enveloped in light, uh, lands on the deck, and it's the recorder, which is kind of neat. I don't hate the recorder. I, 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 I like, like the recorder. I like his interplay with Thor and the other Asgardians. Uh, I don't really, I don't really know other than other kind of, other than interfacing with Grey Gargoyle's ship later and finding the star charts they need. I don't really know what purpose the recorder serves in this story. Uh, but purpose? No, he's fun. And their, their interactions, like the, the differences in stayed and and with an AID, uh, stayed conversation, uh, cadence is hilarious to me. I don't know why it's so funny, but like the way that Thor, you know, Silver Age Thor or Bronze Age Thor here still talks with the what doth thou and all of that, right? So the fact that we've got that stayed conversation cadence and recorders stayed like statement, observation, like that's funny to me. Well, and also Uh, the fact that as as guardians by their very nature tend to run hot. Yeah. And so you have these very like, Yes, let us, the battle is joined, my friends. And the recorder is like, statement, I don't really know what's going on right now. (laughs) But uh, so the recorder's there and they're just like, well, we're happy to have you. And uh, the recorder is like, statement, I am indifferent about where I am. (laughs) Nice to see you again, if such a thing could be understood to be. And we, it's like, we get it. Okay, whatever. Um. But then they find they wind up passing through like a wreckage, some wreckage, and they find a a uh, just derelict massive. ship, and it's uh, enormous. It's enormous, and so they dock with it and uh, get inside. At which point, people are fleeing from something. There's yeah, this a, is this is a switch. We don't actually. Our heroes are not at this at this place. Yeah, they they start to head inside. There's people fleeing from something, and there's a young man helping his grandfather. The grandfather's like, go save yourself! And the young man's like, no, I'm not going to leave you. But then uh, they get grabbed by the tentacles of whatever. The young man gets batted away as the old man gets taken. Uh, and I forget. He hit, he gets hit on that. Uh, Dakar. Dakar. Yeah. Yeah. These people, I'm not sure. Sh- they look vaguely Cree-ish, um, but they are understood are, to be something else. Like Dar- they Darmac may be. And no, they're yeah, they're not Cree. Go they ahead. they could have a common ancestry. It could be like Cree populated this world at one point or whatever, but they are not. They are never actually, it's not like they are Cree, but it's sort of the standard, just like take people and make them blue. Um, But the kid's very broken up and he's like, by my hand, that monster shall die. 
the Asgardians get aboard the ship and are uh, and wind up being set upon by uh, security droids. They start blasting all of them. Sif takes a shot to the shoulder and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, uh, it's a flesh wound. I am an Asgardian born. I'll be fine. Um, and uh, I really love Sif. I, yes. Because they keep trying to do like chivalrous bullshit around her and she's like, fucking quit it. I, I don't know how long... It has been thousands of years, and I have been telling you guys to stop it, and you cannot get it through your your heads. And they're like, "Behind me, fair lady!" God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> like she's great. So the battle is interrupted uh, by Relstor, the first citizen of this world ship, who orders the security droids away. Um, Sif collapses from her wound so they take her off to be seen uh we switch to asgard where balder is sitting by the throne uh just kind of keeping watch and uh the norn queen comes in and she's like wouldn't it be more comfortable to sit on the throne and balder's like that is way above my station i am here just to safeguard the throne until thor returns with Odin and she's just like, yes, well, we shall see. Uh, this dude bursts in looking like shit. And, uh, his name is Brokar. He's one of the guards. Uh, he comes in and collapses and tells them, you know, that there are enemies massing at one of the gates, uh, and that they, uh, they let him survive long enough to tell Balder who's coming. Um, he whispers the names and Balder's just like, oh, we are all fucked. And, uh, so then we switch back to the city ship. Sif is being brought to their healers. They arrive in the area where all of the people still extant are cloistered and it and it looks like shit it's a little shanty town and uh they talk about this ship there's some real way nicer parts of this ship i don't know why you're living like this when there's all this (laughs) and uh so after sif is handed off to the healers they start to explain what happened and it's that their their society was incredibly decadent and uh they set their various what that's next issue oh okay uh, this bad. issue the only thing that happens is he's like he tell Relstor tells them about spore and he's yeah. like we can't go anywhere else because every time we try to be in any of the nicer places that you're talking about or you know less shitty uh, the the tentacles come out and it always steals, it always takes our weak and infirm from or a weak elderly and infirm away from us. Um, right. So we're trying to keep everybody here in one place. At that point, uh, Darnak, the kid from earlier, is like, "Yeah, he took my grandfather. He took my grandfather." Um, and okay, yes, yeah, spore must be destroyed. Blah blah blah. And, He's like, 
Railstorm's <laughs> like, yeah, we would have loved to do that, kid, but uh, there was no way until now you Asgardians are here. And he's like, well, not really. Uh, uh, <sighs> Thor's like, okay, so your, your battle's not really ours, but I can't, you know... How could I refuse you or refuse this and still call myself a nobleman, especially if you're going to uh, help Sif? Speaking of Sif, she wakes up and is kind of out of it and is very like, where the fuck is Thor? Why am I here? I gotta go find Thor and stumbles into an alley where she is immediately grabbed by Spore. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the Asgardians all see this happen and jump up to go help. Um, long story short, uh, Spore ends up knocking down a, a section of ceiling and uh, letting, getting away with Sif and trapping the rest of them on the other side of all the wreckage. Right. And uh, so Thor, is a, Thor, of course, swears vengeance against this unfeeling monster thing and is just like by by my troth it shall die so on and so forth uh so yeah um so thor number 257 has a cover by jack kirby joe sinnett and danny crespi and is lettered by gaspar saladino and condoy so uh the asgard we get a recap of last issue from the recorder then uh the asgardians and the various peoples that are apparently you know able to fight uh take off to go find spore uh relstor's wife is just like please don't go what if we you know what if we need what if i need you and Relstor's like, I have a duty to the people of the city as the first citizen. And she's like, what about your duty to me as your wife? And he's like, I gotta go. Um, and so as they're walking, as so the, you said... The predictable, thing, the predictable thing here is that he would then die. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, that... They are, yeah, the only, the only way that could be any more predictable is if it were to turn out that it was his last day before retirement as first citizen of the city ship. Um, but yeah, so they go out into the city ship and it's at this point that Relstor explains what the deal is with their people. Uh, they were complacent and they let all of the various droids do all of the uh manual labor the droids were too good at their jobs and basically mined the ever-loving shit out of their planet so they were forced to seek a new destiny among the stars uh those who were deemed worthy of being saved no loaded a... it says lots were drawn so it, it there wasn't right. yeah still it's it's a whole lot of like this is a big ship. You could have maybe fit more people, but whatever. Um, the ship takes off, but the people failed to learn their lessons. And uh, they were all partying it up 
Meanwhile, their various droids fell into disrepair. disrepair. And so their ship... Once they realized that none of the droids worked anymore, or were working that well anymore, all the people who could have fixed them are dead. So, whoops. Yep. And then they get hit uh, by an asteroid, and Spore starts taking the old infirm and sick. Right. So, uh, yeah. So they turn a corner and they see the shadow of Spore's tentacles um, and give chase, at which point Spore knocks down a uh, bit of the city on top of them. Then we switch to Asgard and Baldur's just like out look out on the ramparts looking at this invading army. And it's it's a bad scene. It's it's an army amassing outside Asgard's gates. And, uh, you know, he is just like, this is not great. Um, Baldur wishes that Odin was there. Carnilla says, you know, and what of thee, Balder? Did not the mighty Thor himself charge thee to protect the Golden Realm in his absence? And Balder says, I, which woman? But truly do I wonder if I be equal to the task. Um, which, shut the fuck up, Balder. Like, you're the, you're the golden boy of Asgard. Like, you're only, you're only, you're only ever going to fail when the writers desperately want you to like that's the only way you can fail so also this suck it up bro this army outside the gates is equally creepy because they're not really doing anything yeah they're they're literally just sitting there waiting and not it's like they can't hear any rocket raucousness like the the whole thing seems kind of like it's too quiet yeah yeah so we switch back to Thor and the Asgardians aboard the city ship. They manage to shrug off all this stuff and they make their way further into the ship. There's a few, there's another near run in with the tentacles of Thor of Spore before they get to the monster itself. Um, and Spore is like a giant, looks kind of tumorous body. Yeah. With just tentacles everywhere and then a single eye. So they proceed to start fighting with the with the creature. One thing that I really like is that in the midst of this battle, Thor starts to have a moment of realization. Uh in that he starts going, wait a minute. Spore doesn't really seem to be doing all that. Like, Spore could easily crush the life from my body, but all it really seems to be doing is holding me away from it. Um, but before... Immediately brushes he, that off. Yeah, he's just like, wait a minute, this is the thing that took fucking Sif. Kill it! And everything. And so they... Uh, Do. Eventually. Uh, they they best spore, and man it and oh, yeah. Thor uses like his uh, his storm powers to incapacitate the beast. At which point, Relstor and the men of the city state rush forward and start killing Spore. And Thor's like, "Whoa, wait, wait, no!" Uh, and 
they're just like yes and like <laughs> well and that's and, even uh, more it, like it's even we're leaving a bit out which is that when they first join or when they first attacked spore because that is what happened um the men of the city and darnak are like we can't just wait here while the asgardians fight our battle we must do something darnak's like i that thing no i can't like i'm not getting near that there's no way i'm sorry i failed your grandfather so it isn't until after the beastie's been put to you know not to sleep but i guess been made unconscious by like yeah by lightning uh that then they run then they're all in for murder yeah um but so thor's just like well you did it you killed it murdered the shit out of it (laughs) and i mean the the frustrating thing about this is it's kind of a it's it's hard to be too shitty to the people because it's like they don't all they know is this thing has been snatching their loved ones and yeah it it's not like it's not like spore is able to just be like, no, no, you misunderstand, or anything like that. Like, it's it can't talk, and it's ugly, and they're like, kill it! So They like, could have done yeah. a little more to drive that home, though, um, because as a reader, and this particular format, because as you said earlier, like, treat every book like this might be your audience's first book. Um, They have to say it several times that Spore has almost been targeting their weak, infirm, and sick. Yeah. So by the time that we get to this reveal, it's like, me, the reader, I was like, this, I I knew this was coming. You could have done a little more work to, like, make it so that I wasn't so upset with the guys that murdered Spore. Right? right, like make them a little more sympathetic when they're like, "Oh God, what have we done?" Because we don't actually get that much time to do it. So, okay, right? They head past Spore. They find a door. Thor rips it open. All the people, including Sif, are in that have been taken, and the kid's grandfather from earlier are in this lush garden area of the ship, and all up and walking around, and they look great. Thor runs over to Sif and is like, holy shit, we found you, and you you look great. Uh, what's going on? Did Spore hurt you? And he, she's like, no, of course not. He's been back here mending us all because they, you know, the people in the that built the ship all forgot how to do any goddamn medicine. Uh, yeah. we He actually did, and he's been helping everybody. Where's Spore? He's been really good. He let us use his HBO Go... Go. Yeah, pa- log in. Like uh, we've just been watching. I've been, Game I've of- been down here streaming The Sopranos like this entire time, um, and uh, he's a really great guy. He said he was going to step out for like a couple of six packs, that he was going to come back. Is he? Uh, is he behind you guys? Did you Did you see him on your way in? He's kind of big, and honestly, I think even he would admit a a bit of a horror. But uh, so he's hard to miss. Uh, I will have you know that for his species, he is a very desirable mate. He is the Idris Elba of his people. Thank you very much. That's fair. His I deserve horrific, this. Horrific, cancerous people. 
anyway. um, so and he explain you know she explains all of this to Thor and all the dudes are standing in the background like oh no how are we going to explain this which yeah. uh, he kind of like well Thor ends up telling them and uh, she tears into them and they all leave yeah and uh, then we're at the end we get a brief thing about a ship that's crewed by weird alien dudes this is the bird of prey yeah uh this random lion guy and there there looks like a bat person and like an insect guy, a lizard, and then they they're talking to their captain, who is the gray gargoyle. Aren't you anyway, excited? Let me tell you. Um, so Thor number two fifty eight is uh, <clears throat> colored by Jack Kirby, or sorry, has a cover by Jack Kirby. Uh, and is lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, and so we see the gray gargoyle and, uh, they, he's like, ah, I'm the gray gargoyle, whatever. Uh, we, we have a brief check-in with Thor and Sif who are still kind of dealing with what happened on the Levianon, which is the city ship. Um, and Thor's just like, yeah, it sucks, but we do have to remain focused. We are looking for Odin. Odin is our priority here. Let's not get distracted. Um, and uh, recorder, the recorder helpfully offers observation. At least we know where not to find it, Thunder God. And I'm really impressed with Thor's restraint. Because he's just like, I, that is, that is true, but I somehow take little solace in that, you yeah. idiot. Space is yeah. really it, big. It's <laughs> just kind of like, well, at least we know where it's not. It's not right here in this exact <laughs> place that we are. And Thor's just like, uh-huh. That, uh, that's all you got? Cool. And- okay. They are beset by a boarding party come swinging in from the Bird of Prey. Whoops. Uh, Everybody starts fighting. And uh, the Asgardians just go ahead and clean house. Because they're the Asgardians. Asgardians. (laughs) And these are just animal people. Um, And we... Cut to uh, the ship, the bridge of the ship where, uh, God, what's his name? Felon. Felon. I keep wanting it to be Failson, and that's that's a whole different thing. Felon uh, uh, and Greg Argoyle are. Felon's like captain. Clearly, I, I I assume it's supposed to be a portmanteau yeah. of. Feline and felon. Okay. So, I guess it would be feline. Okay. He, uh, he's like, he eggs Greg Argoyle into joining the battle 
or the boarding party because they're getting their asses kicked. Uh, Gargoyle shows up and is like, as he's dropping out of the ships, Thor's like, oh, fuck, no. Everybody, stay back. And, of course, Hogan and Fandral are like, we'll take him. And just charge in and immediately get turned to stone. Uh, yeah. Along with, and then Volstag and Sif are also turned to stone, as well as Recorder. And Thor's like, no one listens? Okay. Uh, he goes to attack, and Greg Arlo knows he will get fucked if this is the way it goes. Um, yeah. So he picks up Sif, above, stone Sif above his head, and is like, play nice. What I, what I don't understand here is that when he turns Sif to stone, she's in like an action pose, like swinging her sword. But then when he picks her up, she's in this like absolutely like stiff straight. Yeah. Uh, like she was just standing in line at the ATM. Uh, and so, yeah. So he's like, submit to my touch or I will destroy Sif. Which I'm sure launched a whole lot of fanfic back in the day. Um, but so Thor does, and we see Greg Argoyle's hand reaching forward. Um, we then switch to Asgard, where Balder is having a meeting with the various generals of Asgard. Uh, then he is interrupted by Carnilla, who's just like, Bro, the door. So yeah, she's out her. on a bal- she's she leaves the war council to go stand on a balcony and scheme. Uh, yeah. when the gate that they were not thinking they needed to protect begins uh, being poomed against. Poom, poom, poom. No, uh, I know. It's just yeah. Um, uh, they rush out just in time to see the the gates fly open. Uh, and it's Entrantress and Executioner. Yeah. So we switch back to the pirate ship. Um, everybody is has been revived from their frozen state and fitted with slave collars. Uh, Thor, of course, bristles and is immediately put down by the feedback from the collar. I love how they trust these collars so much. That they're just like, fine. Also, you can all keep your weapons. Yeah, like, okay. Um, But, so they are led downstairs to the engines, where apparently these dudes are putting stardust in the engines. Because that's what the ship runs on. Because why not? Um, So, they're ordered to get to work, and Volstagg is just like, ha, me? Uh, work? I don't think so. I am, I am Volstag the Voluminous, the Lion of Asgard, the Asgardian Eagle. Uh, I don't, I don't shovel. And the dude's just like, whatever, fatty, and hits <laughs> the step. At which point Thor is just like, now hold the fuck on, and then he gets struck down by the collar. So they get to work, and um, there is a slave who gets. Uh, who gets uh he collapses under the he collapses and he gets set upon by a bat person uh and 
Hogan intervenes and he's just like, leave the old one alone. Uh, can't you see he's exhausted? And the bat is like, that's none of your affair, uh, slave. Get back to work or, and Hogan's like, or what, knave? And he's like, or I, I, uh, nothing, slave. Just, just, just go away. And it's just like, he has a slave collar, bro. Like, why, why would you just, but yeah. It's just so great that his, his countenance is so grim that it overpowers this slave master, which is just yeah, yeah. fantastic. And... I love this book so much sometimes when it just doubles down on something this ridiculous and then proceeds, Hogan proceeds to bend over and help the, help the guy to his feet. And he's like, no one's ever helped us before. Why are you, why would you do that? And he's like, I am Hogan. And uh, I've seen enough suffering. Thank you. And it's like, well, okay. Uh, so they, they start, basically what, what happens here is that, you know, this old guy explains that his was a, a race of philosophers and what have you. And they were beset by the great gargoyle and his crew and enslaved. Um, and, uh, but you know, what it, what it amounts to is, uh, this slave and the ones around basically agree if Thor gets an uprising underway, they'll, they'll join in. They'll back him. So, uh, Thor goes to check on Sif and he's just like, allow, allow me to do your work for you. And she's like, dude, I'm an Asgardian. I got this. And I love that at one point in all of this, they make reference to the fact that, yeah, it's the next page. They make reference to the fact that Volstag is over here putting like spoonfuls in <laughs> with each shovel. And uh, whereas like Hogan, um, yeah. Hogan is overloading his shovel so that the old man he rescued doesn't have to do as much. Yeah. Whereas Volstag is just like, eh, just a little bit. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, they are they are then uh, relieved by the next shift, and Thor's like, nay, we will continue to work so that they don't have to. And the the overseers are just like, no, that's not how this works. Go the fuck away, and. Uh, so they leave and um it's they're like if only we could get rid of these slave collars uh our our rebellion will come to naught if we are unable to at which point the recorder is just like so i've been looking at these and i've totally figured them out and then takes <laughs> his off and they're like uh, awesome and so he takes off thor's and they start taking them off and they're they're all just like yeah we're going to do this. Let's kill them all. Uh, at which point the Gregor Argoyle bursts in. Uh, and he's just like, uh, shit just got real. And they're like, Oh no. Where did uh, you come from? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that leads us into Thor number two fifty nine, which is, uh, this has a cover by John Bashima, Frank Giacoya, and John Costanza. 
colored by Glynis Ween. Uh, and the issue is colored by Glynis Ween, that is. Um, so they they all get ready to have a fight against the Grey Gargoyle. And the Grey Gargoyle's like, hold it, hold it, hold it. And the Grey Gargoyle explains to them sort of how he came to be here and how he is as much a prisoner aboard this ship as they are. Uh, and what we find out is the last time we saw Grey Gargoyle, he was fighting Cap and Spidey. I believe that was an issue of Marvel Team Up. That's what I think. Um, and uh, in the course of things, the, he had chained, he had turned Cap and Spider-Man to stone and chained them to a rocket that was going to be launching a satellite. Uh, they got free and fought him. The chain then wrapped around his foot and as the rocket went up, he went with it. Uh, so he floated there in space being all uh, angry. And then he was picked up by the by the pirate ship, uh, challenged the leader, the captain to a fight and was getting his ass kicked when he turned the guy to stone and then smashed him. He took over and now he runs things. But really, um, he doesn't want to be there any more than they do. She's and, like. He's like, there, that's that's all there is to tell. I suppose now you understand why I need your help, Asgardian. <laughs> Thor's like, frankly, Gargoyle, I do not. I just love that, like, based on where he stopped the story, Thor's like, and what do you need from us? I don't, you're the captain yeah. of the ship? Like, I don't get it. And he's like, because I'm trapped, I hate all of these people and I just want to go home. Oh. Yeah. Alright, fine. Yeah. So and he's like so... he's like, look, I'm I'm down with your uprising, um, but hold off on it until I give you the signal. And uh Thor's like, well, alright, fine. Yeah. Uh he leaves and uh Philon had been following Grey Gargoyle and doesn't know yeah, I guess he overheard everything. Yeah. So. So, uh, we switch then to Asgard, and Balder faces off against, uh, against Enchantress and Executioner. There's this weird moment where in we see the Vizier, who's just like. Uh, I've been serving a long time, and Odin's not here, and nor is, nor is Thor, and I don't know. Things are kind of fucked, and it's just kind of like, thanks, <laughs> like, okay, um, but so, uh, Balder and the Executioner kind of posture a little bit, and then Executioner smashes a column, and then they just kind of fuck off, and. The Norn Queen and Balder are just like, okay, so this is not good. Yeah. Uh, if Thor were here, we would stand a fighting chance. But as it stands, things aren't super great. Um, we switch back to the Bird of Prey. Uh, at which point, like, the gargoyle, the Great Gargoyle demands the slaves be brought before him. 
and while he is uh well he stands there in monologues for a moment uh before just being like let's do it and then like uh they all get ready to they all pull off the collars and everything but Philon and the other pirates were ready and it becomes a full-blown Donnybrook um you know, Philon is just like, I knew you were full of shit. I knew it from the moment you showed up. And now I have proof and we're going to kill you all, whatever. Um, when the other enslaved species come out of the rest of the ship and are like, all they're carrying is shovels. and uh, But they're attacking from the rear where the uh, cat people, well, various animal people don't expect the, they get shoveled. Um, yeah. And full friggin' Maelstrom breaks out. Yeah. But the uh, the upshot of it is, so Gargoyle sneaks off to go find a pod and return to Earth. Philon follows him. Uh, the, the, as Guardians and their slave compatriots manage to win out, but what happens with the Gargoyle is... He and Philon, in their fighting, wind up aboard the pod, which launches. And then Grey Gargoyle accidentally touches the control panel with his stony hand. And then it crumbles to dust. And they uh, are seemingly killed when it explodes in, in whatever. And so the slaves now run the ship. Uh, and as guards or sorry, Thor is just like, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. We got to go find my dad. Um, so that brings us to, uh, issue number 260. Um, and, uh. 260 is, damn it, sorry, uh, the cover is by Walt Simonson and Joe Sinnott. It is penciled by Walt Simonson and lettered by John Costanza. So we start, and the recorder is downloading as much information as he can from the Bird of Praise uh, uh, computer. Though the Bird of Prey has now been renamed the Phoenix of Freedom. Uh, the It causes an overload and Thor violently disconnects him from the, from the computer. Uh, but the recorder will survive, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we switch back to Asgard where the army is just standing outside. Balder disguises himself in order to be able to move about the enemy camp so he does and he gets out to the camp and everybody's just like there they have like the the tents and the fires and all of the things you would expect from an enemy camp but when he gets there like nobody's talking nobody's really moving they're just sort of standing and there uh, and it's then, so he is just like, okay, this is weird as fuck. Uh, he is discovered by them 
at which point he begins battling them and discovers that they are nothing but empty suits of armor. Um, because Enchantress. Because Enchantress. Uh, he uh, is about to make his make a run back to the castle when he's blasted from behind, at which point we switch back to the Asgardians. Um, the Asgardians retrofit the the Starjammer with weapons from the Fe- the Phoenix of Freedom. And so now now it's like a a Norse ship with a full blown sail uh covered in all of this futuristic looking weaponry. Bristling with armaments. Yeah. Uh we check back in with Balder who has been discovered by Enchantress and Executioner. Balder fights Executioner and uh, A, manages to smash his axe and B, manages to, like, get him on the back foot. Uh, But then, like, Enchantress starts kind of pumping some power into Executioner. And so Balder, the tide of battle turns against Balder. Um god we check back in with the asgardians who then find a graveyard full of giants um and as they pass by one it begins to attack then we switch back to asgard are these celestials no these are cosmic gods okay they have a they have a very there are a couple of them that have kind of celestially looks about them but i don't think they're full-blown celestials could you use a celestial for the same purpose that they're that they're trying to use okay i don't know uh anyway yeah it stands it stands to reason that any being powerful enough to be considered a, a god yeah would be powerful enough to power what we eventually find out uh but i don't know so um back in Asgard uh executioner is about to hit Balder with a branch when Carnilla shows up so you wind up with Carnilla and Enchantress fighting as well as Balder and executioner honest to god uh, i love this part this is yeah. rad as hell um because you've got the two dudes just fucking punching at each other, right? And it's a good fight that is only happening because Carnilla is also just doing magic fucking battle with Enchantress. Yeah. It's and cool it, as The panel shit. where you see them fighting is really great because they're both just like, ugh. Yeah. And like, there's a huge conflagration between them and everything. But then it ends because... Uh, as some rock is being blasted by their battle, Carnilla uses her magics to redirect one of the rocks to just straight bean Enchantress upside the head. So Enchantress goes down, at which point uh, Norn Queen is just like, you need help? And Baldur's just like, nope, I got this under control. Once you know, Enchantress was no longer pumping power into him. He was easy to beat again. Yeah. And, uh, 
and um at that point somebody behind them is just like yeah but that's not the real fight and they turn around and it's thor what's going on so then we check back in on the real thor who uh is being spoilers uh by (laughs) this well it couldn't have been that we already even yeah no uh, so they are being attacked by some weird corpse. <laughs> um, and so Thor goes out and smashes it, and then they collect him. Uh, they hit him with some cryo-ray yeah. from the ship. Uh, yeah. And that's how Thor is able to just shatter it. They go collect this him. issue goes back and forth, and it's really, it's really frustrating. Yeah, but this splash at the end is fucking rad. Like yeah, all the art in this is so, so cool. So they arrive at the Doomsday Star, and it's a big, weird thing with like stairways of light that go everywhere, and like all kinds of weird shit. Um, but that's the end of the issue. What's, so, what's the thing in? Is it the shield wall in uh, the source wall? Source wall, yeah. It kind of looks a little source wally to me. A bit, a yeah. bit, a very bit. All right, uh, but we're here. Walt Simonson art, yay! Also, yay. also, when you let Glennis Ween, Glennis Ween off the uh, fucking leash, and she's like, and you, she just gets to color whatever the hell she wants. Like, it's so good. Like, I I like this a lot. Yep. I'm happy now. Uh, So, Thor number 261 uh, has a cover by John Bashima, Frank Giacoya, Glynis Ween, and Annette Kowacki, inked by Ernie Chan, and lettered by Annette Kowacki. the Asgardians have arrived at the Doomsday Star, but what they discover is that um, there's a big wall in front of them, and when they try to go above and below it, uh, there are these massive storms that keep them from from doing so. It's a uh, meteor storm above and just like a cosmic maelstrom down below um so um and like this fucking page when they first come at the wall with all the lasers and shit firing at them god it's cool yeah it is uh and so they they're like okay well i guess we have no choice but to go through the wall so thor does something that is insanely cool and he's just like you know what a storm is a storm i am the lord of storms i may not be able to stop this motherfucker but i can use it so he holds up mjolnir and starts absorbing the power of this cosmic maelstrom and then uses that power to punch through the wall um and he succeeds. He puts a hole in it, and it's not huge, but it's enough, I guess. But then before they're really able to do much else, they get teleported away. Um, and it's then 
it's then that we find ourselves talking to a mysterious robed figure who just so happens to have a green and yellow costume under his robes. I wonder who it could be. Uh, but this this mysterious non-Loki person is uh, is keeping track of what's going on. Uh, things are proceeding apace in space, so he checks in, in on Asgard. Once there, we discover that the pseudo-Thor tells them that the... Uh, the enchantress and executioner that they fought were magical constructs and the norn queen the thing that i like here is that the norn queen is not suckered by this because she's just like if they were magical like constructs i'd have i'd have sensed that there's something fishy going on here so uh thor air quotes is just like come our true our true enemy lies within the gates so we check back in at the doomsday star uh thor and the asgardians come to and find themselves inside what appears to be a city on the surface of the star itself um they are beset by automatons of some sort um, so of course they fight, uh, but in the process of this, they are separated. Uh, it winds up that it's like Thor, Sif, and Vandral. Vandral. Uh, and then on the other side are Hogan, the recorder and Volstag. And I will say Volstag, Volstag comes out a little ahead here because, the last few issues have really been playing up what a massive coward Volstag is. Yeah. And he does actually have a few moments here where he is he he gets a little bit of credit. Yeah. For not being a complete and utter piece of shit. Um but it it is appeared it appears as though Volstag recorder and Hogan are killed crushed. by a yeah, crushed to death by a building that falls off of them onto them after being partially destroyed by a giant gun. Uh, Thor is like, well, I'm done. And straight destroys the gun and anybody who starts trying to get in his way. At this point, the people in charge are like, um, oops. Uh, but they manage to end up dispatched or Downing Fandral. Uh, capturing ca- Sif. Capturing shit Sif and downing uh, Thor. What I will say is there is a point during this fight that Thor throws his hammer at one of the machines mm-hmm. and it does not return to him. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> but yeah. he goes and he collects his hammer and he's just like, okay... That is that is a an issue for a time where we're not actively being shot at. Uh, but then he winds up getting knocked out. Uh, he comes to, and the three of them are being uh, held in these uh, futuristic-y kind of stocks, almost. 
Also, um, another thing about these issues is, okay, so these these bad these bads, right, sort of suck. But there is no way better to make your character creepy than an abrupt lettering change. Because yeah. that's what yeah. happens here is like these guys take off their suits of armor and underneath they're very slender and uh, well adorned. Uh, not the kind of dudes you'd think were wearing these suits of armor um, and pale. And they call themselves the soul survivors. And the the lettering goes from, you know, hard comic book lettering to very soft edges as well which is really cool yeah it instead of being all caps it's upper and lower case and just a yeah it, very yeah and uh soul survivors it should be pointed out it's soul s-o-u-l instead of s-o-l-e blah 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 just because there's no way to communicate that better <laughs> uh in in an audio sort of uh, way uh but yeah so we check back in with uh our other trio recorder hogan and volstack they um they proceed to uh sort of push over some stuff and it turns out that they were sheltered somewhat from the from the uh the f- falling debris um and hogan is just like hadst thou not calculated the single spot where we would be protected from the falling rubble uh we would not be alive uh to the recorder and volstag is just like i my friends for then valorous volstag would have been forced to reveal his own ingenious plan for our salvation and the recorder is just like statement Let's all be glad it didn't come to that. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. So anyway, let's go climb that tower. Um, and uh, so they set off. And that brings us to Thor number 262, uh, which has a cover by John Bashima, Joe Sinnott, and John Costanza, and is inked by Tony DeZuniga. Uh, and lettered by Joe Rosen. So we start, and Thor is, of course, chained up in these pseudo-stocks. Um, the soul survivors are just like, you can't get loose, you're held in, you're held in place by, uh, by a power that is greater than your own. Um, and Thor, Thor, of course, keeps trying. He's just like, ugh, and, uh, he's just like, forgive me, my friends, I have, uh, again, I have failed thee. And the, the soul survivors get super creepy here, because they're just like, on the contrary, you haven't failed. In fact, each new display of your awesome strength only makes us think all the more highly of you. And the other goes, indeed, what we were told of your power does not adequately begin to describe it. Truly, Thunder God, you will make a considerable contribution to our continued survival. And so uh, the, uh, the, the other one is just like, no, 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 don't. We don't need to give them any preview of what's coming. 
and uh, it would it would be it's not nice to tease them. And Thor is just like, if anything, you tease me with your silence. And they're like, okay, well, what a, we might as well let you know what's going on. And so they explained to them that their world was part of this, um, this brotherhood of planets, uh, within their solar system. Uh, the brightest and shiniest of which was Temple World, which is now the Doomsday Star. Uh, and on this world, there was this god that was being worshipped. And basically everything that happened, happened through the power of this god. But then they came under attack from a confederation of various races, including the Skrull, the Badoon, the Akon, and the Kree. Um... And that all of the other planets fell, but Temple World was was protected through the power of the god that they worshipped there, who created a wall and then the very the maelstroms that protect the world itself. But in doing so, used up the last of his power. So, so they... these. They fucking call, lunatics. They call their god uh, the one above all, which I was like, that is familiar. God damn it. Why is that familiar? What is that from? Is that from something else? And I just remembered to Google it. And uh, I don't think this is the living tribunal, but they're, they're all, there are, living tribe it could be the living tribunal is what i'm saying hmm. um if that's important to anyone uh yes so unhelpful they basically chained their god to the side of um oh it can't be the living tribunal because he dies uh, they chained their god to the side of the wall and uh, began to siphon its power out to keep the wall constructed. Uh, and then they just kept doing that. They kept getting gods to come to the wall and then siphoning off all the power until they were gone. Dun, dun, dun! Odin. So. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, basically... Basically, the plan at this point is that once Odin has expended all of his energies, they will then make their way through each of the uh, Asgardians and so on and so forth. So uh, they proceed to basically unmoor the stocks from their post, which allows Thor and the Thor, Sif, and Fandral to follow them. Um uh we switch to Hogan et al uh who go up again who in trying to make their way wind up being beset by one of these mechanical uh sentries um Volstag proceeds to be a coward of course but in the process falls over his own feet and winds up taking the thing down which allows Hogan to smash it. Um, Thor and his group are brought 
before Odin, who is uh, shackled into a seat where he is pumping his uh, his power into the various machines of the Doomsday Star. Um, Odin is, you know, there's a lot of internal monologue. Odin isn't actually able to speak, but he starts formulating, like, what he's going to do. Um, meanwhile, the imposter Thor leads Baldur and the Norn Queen through the streets of Asgard, uh... At which point, like, Baldur is like, I see no, I see no enemy. Like, yeah. Uh, at which point, Imposter Thor is just like, then you should look behind you and clocks him. Um, Carnilla attempts to uh, blast him with magical energy, uh, but the Imposter is just like, truly thy powers are awesome, Norn Queen, but mine are greater still. And presumably takes her out as well. Um, we switch back to Hogan and his group who are now scaling the... Uh, the tower they'd seen in the distance. And yeah. are beset by weird bat things. Um, um, they kill them all, including... Uh, Hogan gets grabbed. And yeah, Hogan gets grabbed. And this is the moment where Volstag, instead of all being like, oh, well, I guess they'll bring up the rear, huh, guys? Goes, oh, fuck no. And grabs the creature that had grabbed Hogan and basically bears it out. Basically bear hugs it to death um, yeah. and saves Hogan. And Hogan's like, well, for the first time within memory, I think. You are worthy of Valiant Volstag. Anyway, switch to Odin, Thor. Thor trying to get through to Odin, and Odin finally can, like, whisper at him, and he's like... He's basically asking for his forgiveness and wants Thor to know how proud of him and his noble fellows, and he's like, I pray thee, son, up from thy knees. Uh, I sense the end coming now. And at that point... He dies. Yeah. Uh, Which goes over poorly with <laughs> with Thor, who, you know, summons the strength to shatter the, uh, the stalks that he's in, um, thereby freeing Fandral and Sif. At that point, uh, Fullstag and Recorder and Hogan show up and everyone's like, we're going to have us a fucking fight now. Um, and they proceed to crush things. Uh, the two sole survivors that we had stuck around with most uh, are like, well, I got to go. Bye. It's like Krill. And... Krill and uh, Nigel. Nigil. Ngil. I'm calling him Nigel. Krill and Nigel um, head off to a different part of this facility where there's like some machines and... Uh, Krill gets into one of them while Nigel operates the other one. Um, and at that point, as they're beating up all the... As the Guardians are beating up all the guards, this giant, flaming, Odin-esque monstrosity tears through a wall 
and is announces itself to be the actual power of the Odin Force. Uh, right. And everyone's like, well, shit. 163. Or 260. Yeah. Uh, Thor number 263 uh, has a cover by uh, John Bashima and Joe Sinnott and is lettered by Joe Costanza. So the Asgardians come face to face with the uh, with the personification of the Odin power, it seems, um, and their weapons are doing nothing against it, um, and they are just getting tossed around. Um, the Thor sets Odin down and proceeds to get involved. Mjolnir is able to affect the monster in as much as, uh, like he is about to crush Hogan or Fandral and, uh, Mjolnir knocks the monster's hand aside. Thor gets in and starts grappling with it. Um, he finally figures out why the mallet or why Mjolnir didn't return is because uh, it's simple for those who control Odin's power to remove Mind Hammer's enchantment. Uh, mm-hmm. Which okay, uh, yeah, and uh, it's yeah. So Sif gets involved, uh, whacks it over the head with her sword, and it knocks her aside, which just angers Thor even more. Um, Thor is, uh, slightly manhandled by this thing and the monster advances on Thor, Fandral, and Hogan when suddenly Volstagg is just like, nay, and, uh, steps in the way and, and, uh, the, he, he stands up and he's just like, Release them, I say thee, or suffer the consequences. And Krill in the Odin power is just like, okay, whatever, bro. Uh, At which point, like, uh, Volstagg tries to do his, like, bullshit posturing. And he's like, thou art making a grave mistake, behemoth. The power of Valorous Volstagg is legend. For thine own sake, knave, pray do not force me to... Two, and like holds up his hand at which point a blast of energy comes out and like hits the monster and Volstagg is just like what the fuck <laughs> and, like the monster gets up and he's like you heard me that shan't happen again and Volstagg's just like haha but it will and just starts like <laughs> and everything and um the uh the monster, like, keeps, like, trying to, but Volstagg keeps up the, and eventually the monster falls and dissipates. Um, and they're all just like, wow, that was really impressive. Like, it used itself up trying to fight you. The m- various machineries of the Doomsday Star start exploding. Yeah, Nigel. We, we get a Super Metroid and, uh, we need to go. <laughs> yeah. Nigel pulls Krill free, uh, but Krill is, like, set on revenge. 
Um, so he goes racing off after the Asgardians. Uh, they're all very impressed with Volstag. Um, and Volstag's, yes, like, yes, well, the power was ob- obviously always within me. Uh, it just required the proper provocation to bring it out. And they're all like, cool. And <laughs> Thor's like, so do you think you could maybe use some of that to come and heal Odin? Uh, and at, he puts his hands on him and starts pumping power into him. And it doesn't really seem to be doing anything. Um, it's then that Krill comes running up and he's just like, Hey, I'm going to have my revenge. Thor grabs him and is about to ever just beat the ever loving shit out of him. When suddenly Mjolnir comes flying back to him and he's just like, wait a minute. That's not possible unless, and it's then that Odin sits up and he's like, I live again. Do uh, now is not a time for vengeance. It's a time for rejoicing. Uh, so they all bow before Odin and Odin's just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm alive again. And, uh, and then he collapses and they're just like, we need to get you home. Uh, Nigel and, uh, Nigel comes looking for Krill and the recorder is just like, you'll find him in there. He's, he's still alive. So Thor goes and uses Mjolnir as an actual hammer to build a, um, it's a bed. Do what? A palanquin. Sure. Is that how it's said? I've always said palanquin or something like that. I don't know. The Decemberists said it palanquin, so I have to. They know their esoteric bullshit, so uh, I gotta go there. So, so they load the palanquin up onto the ship uh, and set out back for Asgard. They arrive. There is much rejoicing, and they bring Odin in and place him on the bed in order to uh, allow him the opportunity to undergo the Odin sleep and regain his power, walk in, and who should be sitting on the throne but shock of shocks? Loki! It turns out that that guy who wasn't Loki was actually Loki the whole time. Who knew? Also, he's like, well, I mean, Odin's down. We just got Odin back and he immediately went into the Odin sleep, which is like, at least we don't have to quest for Odin anymore, but yay, Odin sleep. All right. It's Loki. Yeah. And he's in charge now. All right. So top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's top five. Okay. All right. So number five, uh, hot God. No. Um, just as soon as I saw it and it looks so much like a Thanagarian that I was just like, Oh no. Oh no, no, no. We'll never, we'll never understand what's going on. Uh, I like to imagine that like Arcturus is, the Marvel Universe's Thanagar that took like a different 
yeah, a different evolutionary uh, path. Yeah, like Thanagar in the DC universe went one direction, and then like these people were like, hot god, hot god, eh, no more hot god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> the entire the entire planet of Arcturus was, for the purposes of this example, Larry David. <laughs> um, number four, lettering. I don't think it gets called out enough on this show that letterers are vital, important parts of this medium. And when they yeah. do a really good job... Uh, it's a really good job so yeah well and that's and that's why when you know at a at a certain point it became so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna uh bring the tea here so when we started talking about the creative teams i wanted to include everyone right uh, our former co-host said, no, let's just do writer-artist. Uh, but no, like, this stuff could not happen without yeah. everybody involved. Right. That's all there is to it. Right. Um, number three, recorder just takes his collar off. Which <laughs> is honestly one of the... It's, it's difficult to convey, again, in an audio medium, like, how... The level of nonchalance. Like, he's just like, ah, yes, to that point, I have been studying this thing all afternoon. <laughs> and it just just takes it off. It's just so... And they're all like me, which is just like, you could just do that? Um, I, it's, yeah. a, it's a great moment. Uh, number two, Charlie27. Sorry. Just yeah. that whole issue. He's rad. Um, and I'm real disappointed that that's like the last issue we get of Guardians for a while. They're going to show up in Thor Annual here soon, I think, but not so soon for us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus, I mean, you can never really trust. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. We're at a period of time currently where, and this is this is one of those things that came up in the Jim Shooter video. During the 70s, Marvel was having a lot of trouble keeping books on time and getting them out properly. And so these, these end of issue things where it's just like, next issue, a thing happens. Like, you can't, you cannot count on that. So we'll yeah. see if they actually do show, show up in the Thor annual. But... Um. And then uh, number one, Walt Simonson, uh, because I already liked Thor, and then this was a just fucking fun as hell, good adventure story. Uh, it's so, it drags, I will say it drags a little by the time we actually meet the Soul Survivors, but other than that, Odin's back, he's in the Odin sleep, that part sucks, uh, but the rest of the story was good and solid, and I liked it, so. Yeah. Some good Thor this week. Yeah. So that's me. Um, so my number five is, uh, so you see now why I need you. Um, no, no, no I, I really don't. 
Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's a really great moment, too. He just looks at him like, no, I... I really don't, actually. Well, and <laughs> the thing is, this could be taken as Thor's a bit of a meathead, but also, like, no, it's not immediately <laughs> clear why you would need it, but whatever. Um, number four, it turns out that guy who totally wasn't Loki was Loki the whole time. Um, I realize that, I realize that, you know, at this point in time, Stuff like that is made obvious expressly so that children reading it can feel really smart when they're just like, oh shit, that's Loki. And then it's like, oh, it was Loki the whole time. And you're just like, I knew that, you know, but still like as an adult reading this, it's just like, it's Loki, it's Loki, it's Loki. And then it's just like, it was Loki. And you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four. This is a weird one, but I uh, cosmic daredevil. So, <laughs> so if it were me, and I were in, I were working for a company that had a a thing like the Enigma Force that goes around turning people into Captain Universe. Okay. I would randomly, just for no reason, not even not even because I'm planning a big Captain Universe thing, but I would randomly have issues where for like a panel, somebody has like the stars <laughs> in their shadows, and then it's just like, was that the Enigma Force looking for a new host? <laughs> and everyone has to stop and be like, were you in like a universe for a minute there? Uh, it felt weird. I felt no, like don't even mention it. Don't even like nobody's like they're not aware of what's going on. It's just like the unit, the Enigma Force pops in and is just like, "What's happening here?" Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh, this sucks. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, number two was Charlie twenty seven, and number one was Walt Simonson. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that is uh, that is it for us this week. Few things to say here. Number one, uh, follow follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Visit our website at Watchers Guide at Gmail or Watchers dot com or email us at Watchers Guide at Gmail dot com. Take care of yourselves, wash your hands, wash your ass, uh, practice social distancing, don't be out there. You are you are not owning the libs by uh, by doing that. You are not proving yourself stronger than the virus or anything else. You're just an asshole. Yeah, um, you're not owning the libs by infecting your grandpa or yeah. whatever. Or somebody else's grandpa or that person, that person who was at the supermarket and happened to be undergoing chemo or whatever. You're not proving anything other than what an asshole you are. Uh, Keep six feet of of distance. If you have to go out, um, be nice to the people who are working. 
Uh, if you're in a position where you're able to tip, tip well, because those people do not want to be there anymore than you want to be out having to buy shit. But just, just, we're all in this together. Yeah, you guys, and everybody it really knows. blows. Everybody knows how to do this. It's whether or not you choose to. Just, you know, choose to. It's fine. Choose to. Yeah. Um, so next week, we've got a little bit more Thor, some Spider-Man, uh, some Avengers, a random issue of Son of Satan, and then some X-Men. So, uh, but yeah, be safe and have a marvelous week. Bye.